There is a legend that the instant the Duke Leto Atreides died, a meteor streaked across the skies above his ancestral palace on Kaladan. From Introduction to a Child's History of Moadib by the Princess Irulan. Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club, Derek. Uh, and it's been going great, Mike. Oh, yeah. We are back with our 21st bottle of wine. 21. Oh, it's so good to be this far along. <laughs> so today, mm-hmm. we got a barren heavy chapter, Mike, so I got a barren heavy Wait. wine. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Tell me about our wine, Derek. It's called High on the Hog. Whoa. And it has, it's sort of like a, um, it's got the, the word spelt out, and mm-hmm. it's sort of like a weather vine kind of thing on the top with a little pig on there. <laughs> it's a little arrow <laughs> pointing the way, and it's curly tail. It's cause that, is that because the Baron doesn't walk? Oh, yeah. 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 It's like when the he pig, just sort of moon bounces. <laughs> I think he just sort of suspends it up <laughs> yeah. under that wind vine. Yeah. And so uh, it's just a, just a red wine. It's not telling me a varietal, and it's not saying a blend. So they're very, very coy with Central the type coast, of. Central Coast. Okay. Yeah. Central Coast of where? I don't know. But it's I imagine of it's the West Coast. It is. Uh, yeah. And it's, I mean, I tried it. Do you take a sip yet? Also, it says California on the back. Yeah, it is a uh, jump right to the end of there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to let us have that. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty strong, I think this might be our strongest one so far. 15.2% by volume. Oh, yeah. I, I'd say I taste it. Yeah. It's, it's got this like sharp uh, bite in the front. And then uh, a little bit of flavor. Honestly, I'm going to, this is like the worst wine we've had yet. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just to be completely frank, um, Herbert. Yep. Uh, not not a fan. It's not my favorite, but I do like the uh, the initial taste. I think it's it's got a really strong start, mm-hmm. really weak body, and then really strong finish. I see. I, I like the aftertaste. I'm, I'm of only it. okay with that aftertaste. Yeah, I like the aftertaste a lot. But uh, no, I I agree with you. It's not my favorite one we've had so far. Granted, I don't remember any of the ones we had so far. I remember how I felt about them. I don't remember how they taste. Uh, uh, but some of them were just more of a flavor adventure, you know, when like it sort of like right. uh, evolves and rolls around in your mouth. This, I just feel like assaults me and then like pieces out. <laughs> Derek, like, bye. Because I don't remember them. I found a way to finally remember my tasting notes. How's that? I built a wine cellar on our <laughs> website. <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna archive it. <laughs> you're gonna plug that real quick. Yeah, yeah. Gonna archive them. I the thing is though, I need to like go back and listen to all of our tasting notes mm-hmm. and actually put those on there. But now we've got a, a concise little area to put them all. That is, and yeah, you call it the Caledon wine cellar. Yeah, it's the Caledon wine cellar. It looks really sharp. It really looks, uh, yeah, all things pretty good cool. on the page. You, dude, you always do great work on the website. Just a little bit better every week. Every week, and. uh we had an idea with these, Mike. So, oh. like, we're going to record our tasting notes on mm-hmm. here. We mm-hmm. got to go back and find them and yep. pull them all out of the wreckage that is this I show. I mean, you but... know what? If I didn't say enough, I just think we need to buy the bottle again and, you know, I... reassess. You twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> we're professionals, Derek. Well, let's go rebuy every bottle. I'm down. As long as we're starting now, it's only 22. <laughs> 20. Oh, 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 that... 20. We got this one. Oh, that's pretty expensive. Wait a second here. But 
I think we should invite anybody listening. <gasps> if you guys want to try the wine or you have tried the wines that we featured, send us uh, your tasting notes. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys are okay with it, we'll put them in the Caledon wine cellar. Heck yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know who will go there to read them, but at least we got our little community together and we can have our own little wine club along with this book club. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. And that'll like, let that kind of evolve and grow. I mean, eventually we're going to have over if, 40 wines. If the only tasting notes are from you and I, we're going to know that we're the only wine lovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just thinking of like, uh, how much we're going to see, like the notes don't vary. At all. <laughs> like, we're just like, oh, it's fruity. All right. Yep. It's fine. <laughs> or I guess now I will refer to them. Like, oh yeah. It's a high on the hog stuff. Uh, <laughs> Just gonna drag this one through the mud. Oh no, <laughs> which seems appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Hit these pig things all day. <sighs> no, I do. I do. Uh, this isn't a bad one. I do like it. Yeah. You know what though? It's got this little uh, little ribbon on the back, Mike. It's a it's a blue collar wine. It's a ah! series blue collar. <laughs> hey, look at that. Just so humble. I wonder if it's like a special uh, special run. I don't know. I don't know. But that'll do it for our wine. Oh, you ready man. to hop into the? Be- what? Well, I guess the quote that started this I, chapter. Well, I think before anything. <gasps> We need to address the elephant-sized man in the room. Okay. Yeah. How could they? How could they? How what? could you, Frank? Did something happen? <laughs> no, what, damn. What, what happened? happened? <laughs> oh. So we have to have one for the, the passing of... It could have been a duke. It was a duke. Piter. <laughs> for about ten Manjat. minutes. You left us too soon, my friend. Oh. Sweet dreams, you baby You only showed blue. up in three chapters. You spoke <laughs> spoke maybe like four or five lines every other he time. Does. Every other time he just says, Yes, my baron. He's in three chapters and I think he's mentioned offhandedly in another one. And you I feel like I've built this character up so much more in yeah, my own oh, mind. Yeah, yeah. I kinda gaslit you really hardcore <laughs> with Fighter. <laughs> I let you have it. You guys got so close in chapter two. How is I gonna tell you? No, Mike, that puppy dies. Like, oh no. You got attached. You don't tell the kid the puppy has cancer. You just let him ride it out. She's like, all right. I guess that's the one we're taking oh, home. Piter was my cancer puppy. I know, but like, I loved us focusing so much on Piter. We celebrated Piter's promotion. We're the only people <laughs> to have ever done that. You I'm think fa- that's fairly right? certain. Because for everybody else, that is like a you know maybe a thirty minute interlude before they get to that chapter. You know, if you keep reading and you mm-hmm. just pound those out in one sitting, like that happens in the blink of an eye. In the terms of like our time span, <laughs> you know, it's only a couple days on a racket for this whole thing's falling together. That's true. So it is wild. Uh, we had was, was the dirge for Jameis last time? Uh, yeah, I think no, it was uh, that was chapter eighteen, I think. Chapter eighteen. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, we should make a dirge for Piter. <gasps> we should have a dirge for Piter. I don't have anything prepared. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't bring anything either, but I think we have nothing but time on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> With the state of the world, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, I think, might as well, like, you want to make one for him? Yeah, we should make a dirge for Piter, for sure. We can do, uh, we'll just see you versus me. We'll see who comes up with a better one. Oh, yeah. So, ooh, make a little thing for it. I like that. Ooh, we can expand it one step further, Mike. If you guys want to write a dirge, too. Oh. We could, we might, we might bring them in on everything. If there's nowadays. any other Piter uh, enthusiasts out there, sympathizers, <laughs> then by all means, like, give us your best Piter dirge. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, if we get one that we like better than what we can cook up, mm-hmm. like let's put music to that. Let's let's put, oh, publish you're that. Do, do like because uh, you did the whole jingle for um, the Duke speech. Yeah, just like <laughs> when, you, when you got into the Duke's voice, a little doodle there. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, it, it sets the tone. I mean, when you because after uh, listening for like an hour, you know, with silence, any little twang that comes in, it really like ups the moment. Uh, oh yeah, it. 
Uh, and I loved uh, playing that one back. That was one of the few times I go to our post episodes mm. and be like, wait, he did some effects I wasn't in there for. <laughs> like, I want to hear this. Uh, it was really fun. But yeah, let's let's do that. We got we got wine tasting we want you guys involved in and a dirge for Piter. I almost said Jameis. Like, wait, that <laughs> one's like, how dare you? <laughs> no one cares about him. Oh, but yeah, I, I do mourn him with you, Mike. And we have another oh. person we got to mourn too. We have a few that died in that room. Get, yeah. But this quote is going to specifically deal with the Duke Leto Atreides. All right. And uh, it's telling us like right when he died. So at the end of this chapter, a meteor was going to streak over good old Castle Caladan. That's a cool little myth. Right. And Hasmir Fenring is going to look out the window and be like, what the hell? <laughs> This Look out so the window. I don't think he got into the house yet. I think he climbed. <laughs> I think that's the new front door. Oh, no. Yeah, that door is still locked. It's a rope ladder. Yeah. It's, a, it's a workaround. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when the emperor tells you to go assume Castle Caledon, you Castle go Caledon's do it. Castle just a treehouse now. <laughs> it looked like it from that picture. Yeah, it was a little weird, wasn't it? Um, and then the only other thing for this quote I kind of wanted to point out was uh, we've seen a child's history of Moadi before. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing this is in, in the introduction to it. So I'm wondering like how long or how oh, expensive wait, that oh, is. Oh, are they different books? No, no, I think, ooh. Oh, that could be, but I don't think it, I mean, a child's history probably doesn't have a primer for you to get ready for reading the child's history. Right. I, I took it as much this meaning like this is the introduction in the book. Like when you start it, this would be one of the first things you kind of read. Maybe mm. it's this legend and sort of uh, kind of highlights that point in the other era long quote that mentioned, you know, the, um, how Leto is in the shadow oh. of uh, Paul. Wait. And that, like, Paul will kind of outshine his father overall in history. Right. So even here, Leto is sort of relegated to the introduction of the whole thing. And it's sort of just the end of his story is right there. This is most interesting, Derek. What's that? So I just flipped into the back real quick. So we have uh, two quotes from A Child's History of Muad'Dib. This mm. is the first one we've had from Introduction to A Child's History of Muad'Dib. Right, right. No, I'm just telling you, I think uh, I think that's the same part of it's an introduction within child's history. You think so? I just, I wouldn't expect that you would Well, need... no, it's all in quotes, though. Yeah, yeah, I'll so give signif- you. Sure. That signifies a unique work. I guess. Uh, for however he did the bibliography. I would just say, I think it's very weird that you would need an introduction book to the child's history to, like, get you ready to read the child's history. Those are for the dum-dum kids. <laughs> the orphans that yeah. were in the castle oh, of Paul. No. <laughs> the ones that are all mysteriously gone. <laughs> yeah, wait, what happened to those orphans? I wonder. Never going to find out. Sure, but I guess it could be another book. I think it's another book. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it would have been written that way. I'll let you have I, that. Uh, I mean... Hey, Irulan, she might get paid by the book she wrote. Like, yeah, it's not okay. about how big the book is, it's how many. She, Five pages. She's a, she's a volume kind of girl. As long as there's two covers. <laughs> what are you going to call it? Introduction to. <laughs> Boom. Next book. Do you think there's an introduction to Manuel Muad'Dib as well? <laughs> yeah. Like, and an introduction just doubles her to entire the library. <laughs> it was a brilliant business move. <laughs> but I think we good to jump in? I think we're good to jump in. Let's do it. Because... Oh, Baron chapter is always good, Mike. And we open Baron and Piter chapter. Thank you. You know, I'll primarily call a Piter chapter. Piter's last chapter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Piter's farewell, and the Baron shows up. Um, so there's a lighter that's landed down now in Arakeen. So this is uh, different from a, a Highliner. This is a different type of ship of some sort. Yeah, uh, I be- I assume you mean different than a frigate. The Highliner is like that one that it's transports the one in, yeah, them. It's large. Yeah, uh, okay. It's like, yeah, the yeah. huge, a massive guild one that they all pack into. I think this is the first time we've had lighter used. Yeah, like, I was going to say the other thing we saw was the Atreides had the frigates around the rim 
when Leto was at like the command post the first time right. before we went on the sands. So that oh. was like the other ship name we've seen okay. that like can go through the atmosphere, land and mm-hmm. take off. The lighter, I assume, is going to be slightly smaller than a frigate. Right, right, right. It's, you know, just going I mean, off b- a lighter. Big enough that he's using it as a command post. Yeah, right. While like attacking and sacking this planet. And uh, looking out, you know, kind of through the window, because there's always windows, Arakeen is burning. The city yeah. that we've come, we've only seen it a few times. The palms I think, are uh, on fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're learning about what his, one of his secret weapons throughout yeah, this entire plan. Because I well, didn't see what, it coming. This is what he's watching. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I doubt you would have. We've talked laser guns and shields and what could they possibly do with that? He's no. using good old-fashioned explosive artillery. You can, Don't mess with the classics, Mike. <laughs> and uh, he knew the Atreides guards or troopers were all going to flee to the shield wall. There right. There are these little caves like Potchmark in it. I mean, it, it's tough shelter. Mm-hmm. And the, Cover. The Baron is just watching these like little explosions. Ba-boom, ba-boom. Just light up the shield wall one by one, closing these caves in. And with explosive artillery, if you're wearing a shield, it's not going to affect you, right? I mean, I bet it hits you nice and hard. I, mean, I bet you go flying afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think, yeah, you're but, fine. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you hit the ground and tumble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, except for the immense concussion you suffer. <laughs> you're probably solid, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> but, uh... No, I mean, it's he's not trying to, like, gun them down. He's just trying to bury them alive, more or less. Exactly. I mean, I think that's even the point of, like, why they're not hitting anything in particular. Right. Yeah, they're just using it against the environment, and the Baron's sort of smart. Like, I'm clever. Like, Very soapiter. And I wonder... I, I can't use that that much no, more. Yeah, go keep, keep it coming. <laughs> just getting as much I juice out like of that as you can. I don't like this fuck anymore. <laughs> So uh, the Baron's there to like he um he adjusted one of the little suspensors that guarded his fat body against the pull of gravity. <laughs> a smile creased his mouth, pulled at the lines of his jowls, and I like the use of that line there: the guards against gravity, because the Baron guards against everything, mm-hmm. and even the like physical forces of the universe he like insulates himself from. Mm-hmm. But you think of how much like protection he put against him and the Truth Sayer. And that of like right. him in any danger. The fact the shield is always, always a on. degree of separation. Mm-hmm. But I love that even from gravity. Even from <laughs> gravity, this ubiquitous force we're all like, um, you know, subject to. He's like, no, not me. You know, raise myself a little bit. And uh, then we get him looking out, and he uses again the word pity. That's mm-hmm. been coming up a lot in the last couple this, chapters. Yeah. And he says it's a pity to waste such fighting men as the Dukes. And you know, pity should be cruel. That is how the Baron feels. So that is like one of his driving MOs. And I think we've seen that exercised in the decisions he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, we're looking through. And he's sort of like, um, what is he? I'm, I want to say um, kind of ha- hating on these uh, troopers, but disdaining them. And he refers to them as rabbits running to their burrows. And that being these caves yeah. up in the thing. And uh, he looks at, he pictured his fighting men as bees routing the rabbits. The day hums sweetly when you have enough bees working for you. Like, oh, those, be- those bees always- are saddle car. <laughs> he's always referring to things, though, in terms of things that can be tasted or eaten. Ooh, okay. Little yeah. rabbits, bees and honey. Sure. Definitely the bee- definitely the rabbit, I get. The bees is a little weird one. Uh, 
Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like of like things to choose to like, <laughs> like bees hunting rabbits. I didn't know that was like a thing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, sure. It probably is. Maybe like, Ara- we still don't know all that much about Arrakis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking it probably is like some medieval hunting technique of like some weird thing. <laughs> Loose the bees on the bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, I got a weird story we're going to get to about a monkey bite later. <laughs> See you in the deep dive. <laughs> oh my god! So the uh, the doors open and uh, the bear and I love this. He looks into the reflection in the window to see who comes in. Before, oh yeah, like acknowledging them or turning around. Oh window. Yeah. Oh oh, oh I mentioned window already. Uh, that first one. That's true. In that's there. true. Um, and who enters, Mike? My boy, Piter. Piter. Piter comes in with Uman Kadu. Someone mm-hmm. who gets both a first and last name when so many others didn't. <laughs> just, yeah. Just want to sharpen that one up a little bit. Uh, still, Not letting it go. Still feeling the sting. And uh, Piter gives him a mocking salute before inform- informing Vlad that the Sadakar have brought the Duke here. So, Piter. <laughs> so, Piter. I, I love that. <laughs> that, like, the Baron can't do anything. Either, yeah. And he's just, good God. And Piter does it in front of the guard captain. <laughs> yeah. God, this guy's so great. And then uh, we get this, like, kind of from the Piter, or the Baron's perspective. He studied the somber mask of villainy on Piter's effeminate face. And the eyes, those shaded slits of bluest blue in blue. Soon I must remove him, the Baron thought. He's almost outlasted his usefulness. Almost reached the point of positive danger to my person. Mm. <laughs> That's a bad place to be, Piter. <laughs> <laughs> and we get the, uh, the first hint of what... Um, the Baron's plan is with Piter. Why he's giving him the duchy. Why he needs him there. So he's basically going to replace him in uh, Leto's current position. Try and make the people hate him. Uh, maybe even the Landsrad hate him. Yeah, more the people. Because um, it's saying here, like, uh, he wants the people of Arrakis to hate him. True. So that he can then bring in Fade Rautha. And Fade will be greeted as a savior. Isn't Fade this will so be much loved. better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is sort of like parallel to how um, Leto is preparing Paul to be like this great ruler. Mm-hmm. But certainly Leto is doing the right steps to get there. Right. Um, but Baron, he still wants, he wants Fade to be something better than him. I think he kind of wants Fade to be what Leto is now. Have hmm. that like popular command, right? And still the power and trappings of the Harkonnen household, but the Baron doesn't know any other means to go about it. But he can set someone else up, you know, to not follow his path per se, hmm. uh, and maybe finally get that duchy title that he's so, uh, he so—he definitely is envious of, I think. But the uh, the Baron, though, he also sees uh, we have a uh, Uman there, and he likes Uman because Uman's vices are known, and what a. A great, uh, it's sort of similar to the Assassin's Handbook of like self preservation, mm-hmm. but like from the leader's perspective of it, <laughs> again, him insulating himself on so many, it's just like, I need to make sure I have little bits on all of you. Right. Instead of the other way around. Um, but yeah, Uman, uh, we'll see how much longer he needs to know about those vices. No, what do you mean, Derek? <laughs> I don't know. Nothing happens, Mike. It's a great day. <laughs> Everyone goes home. Oh, good. Okay. That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> So the Baron, uh, he he then sort of beckons. He wants uh, Yui to be brought in, the one who mm. brought him the Duke. You know, we got to settle this business. Must give his reward. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, he wants to get all the little business out of the way so he can really savor that mm-hmm. time with Leno. So Piter motions the cards at the door. We bring in Yui. Uh, Yui, he only comes in three paces into the room. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped there. And it says, like, only his eyes are alive. 
And I think uh, this is the first time we use, we start using wood to describe him. Yeah. And it's very often through this chapter. He's always wooden or oak-like. And uh, as Yui comes in, uh, what do we have? Vlad, he sort of draws out the exchange. Uh, mm-hmm. Just being a jerk. Oh, yeah, oh, for like, sure. What was our deal? <clears throat> what was the bargain? Oh, what was he supposed to do again? Oh, you did that? Did I promise you something? And uh, Yui, he allows himself to think now, hearing the loud silence of clocks in his mind. Just like, oh my god, this guy's insane. <laughs> like that, I think is the madness. Um, very much uh, reminds me kind of like uh, you know Doctor Who, the Master, when yeah, he hears yeah. the da da Like I feel like that's what's in Yui's head right now, and he just has like thing repeating and repeating. Like he's hearing these clocks go, and he he sees the subtle betrayals in the Baron's manner. So he knows right then and there. He came in. He was counting on this too. His true sense is there to whatever extent, you know, we never nailed down exactly what he had, but he's got something mm-hmm. and he's able to discern that Wano's dead, gone far beyond. Like their he already, yeah, he already knows because he doesn't feel like the Baron's uh, speech tells him that the Baron doesn't have a hold of him anymore, mm-hmm. meaning that there's no leverage. So Wana is not there. And it was weird. Uh, the way he like says it in the text is the Baron's manner showed there was no hold. It was ended. So I'm like, that's so that Yui, that's him feeling it mm. off of him. That's so weird. Like, I don't under, I still don't really understand like what breaking the suit doctor means. Like, so we've talked about this a few times of like with getting past that pyretic conscience. Well, they, they, they talk about breaking the suit doctor. Mm-hmm. It was never broken. It was just bent. I feel. Okay. But I would describe the suit doctor as like the unbendable rod. And that bent is broken in this sense. Okay. Because like, it's supposed to be, it's a hundred percent, you know, absolutely won't kill somebody we got him to kill one person um i guess yeah. when i think broke i think like broken mind sure sure you're it's sort of like a difference in degrees instead of in kind yeah um but i think in that point uh regardless of when it ends like i feel like those clocks stop in his mind just mm-hmm. like instantaneously and it's sort of like a wash of relief over him Hmm. And certainly, that's a cool way to look at it. Certainly yeah. too late for it to matter by any means but i, I mean I, that, I like to think regardless he got what he wanted yeah, Yui did. Yeah, he just he just needed to he know. He just needed to know. Yeah, he just needed to be there and get it. And I, I feel like at that point, like, he reverts back to kind of the man he used to be before this whole thing got mm-hmm. started and he got dragged into this. And I, uh, I love how, like, previous <laughs> to this, too, the Baron looks at Piter and Piter nods. Of, uh, yeah, just ready for, like, yeah. what to do. The Baron is so smug. He thinks it's just like, oh, I pulled the wool over your eyes on this one. Mm-hmm. And he thinks, I like that, uh... Because so we were talking about how much agency Yui's been exercising behind the scenes. Yeah. And telling them where to take the the captives and stuff like that. And uh, the Baron is clearly oblivious to all this and thinks he has all the cards right, right. now. And just sort of like standing over this. Uh, but, oh, Yui. Yui knows better. And I think Yui's going to get the last uh, kind of last word in on him. And uh, the Baron tells him sort of like, oh. I remember now the deal we made. That's right. <laughs> and um, you couldn't endure seeing your Bene Gesserit witch grovel in Piter's pain amplifiers. And, you know, well, the barren blood of your Harkin always keeps his promises. I told you I'd free her from the agony and permit you to join her. So be it. And we get that hand wave to Piter. And this, oh man, I love Piter in this moment because it's like his movement was cat like. And this reminds me very much of like uh, Thufir when he first came in that room. Of just so like, I think hmm. they signed for Thufir, Wrinkly Old Owl. Mm-hmm. They signed for Piter, I think. Cat. But no, the Siamese cat, right? 
The Siamese cat? Like the bald oh. cat. Oh. A hairless cat? Yeah. For a hairless owl? Or, oh. Wait a second. Not going to get me <laughs> twice. I keep adding hair fur on whales, fur on owls. <laughs> Oh, I'm high on the hog today, Mike. <laughs> Maybe it's not so bad after all, Derek. Hey, it was warming up for me. <laughs> yeah. So, two. Uh, just skin, skin animal. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say hairless. It was the first word. I was like, oh. Skinless animal. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. <laughs> A cat and an owl. I agree. <laughs> um. Yeah, so he's cat-like. Sudden fluidity. The knife in his hand glistened like a claw as it flashed into Yui's back. Mm. And the man stiffened, never taking his attention from the Baron. That's intense. Yeah, good Yui, man. Go down strong. And you think, though, that's him? Purple lips and, like, that floppy mustache still? Yeah, I and love how it says droopy mustache. Is it in there? Yeah, the mustache <sighs> drooped behind his purple lips. Yes. <laughs> so. But not behind the side. <laughs> wow, that's hitting me hard, too. <laughs> We're, we're twisting all sorts of things. Um, and uh, the Baron, again, he gets it, gets it one more again because he's got to say that last line just to make sure you heard it. Oh, yeah. So join her. And he sort of spits it out this time. And uh, Yui stood swaying. His lips moved with careful precision. And his voice came in oddly measured cadence. Oh, I love that. You want to read what he says? Yeah. You think you defeated me. You think I... Did not know what I bought for my wanna. Dun dun. This cuts through to the Baron. He is a little unsettled by it, and uh, I like that he also is able to make this like little side note of just like that's how Piter kills people. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's just like I've never actually seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> I've never stayed around a watch. There's a little gasp, like <laughs> that was fast. There's <laughs> a, a little scary. Piter. Where's the knife? <laughs> What happened? I was on the other side of the room. What happened? <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, Yui sort of loops down, right, and slumps to the ground, and it says he fell like like a tree, almost, not even like a person. Yeah. And uh, like I said, this guts the Baron. He's a little off kilter from this. Uh, that very Obi Wan Kenobi death line of Yui's. Yeah, yeah. He even repeats it. Oh, what does he say? He says, after he says, so join her, he's just like, Yui has his final moment, yeah. the last word, and then Baron sort of echoes softly, so join her. And it's repeated, but his words were like a weak echo. He's just like, oh, wait, what? But even he knows, like, oh, you totally stole my thunder. Yeah. Like, he didn't get the last word. No, and Yui's like, he's done. We can't bring him back now. So Yui, he, or I'm sorry, uh, Yui's dead. The Baron, and he's like, now he wants Leto in here on the double now. Like, okay. I, I need a win now. Like, I just messed up that one. That was going to be a cool execution. And now I'm not I'm not on my A game right now. And he gets uh, one last look at Yui. And uh, I think it's our final uh, kind of tree metaphor. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you read that one right there? Oh, yeah. No, uh, you look down at Yui. From the way the man had fallen, you could suspect oak in him instead of bones. And at least you get to hardwood. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Unyielding man. I, you know, just because we're not going to get too many more opportunities, Derek, mm -hmm. I want to take a look at Piter's uh, moment in here that uh, when he says, uh, so be it to Piter, Piter's blue eyes took a glazed look. I love that. Oh, is that right when he goes in? Yeah. Do you he, think that's his treat of the day? If he's like a cat, that's his little kitty treat. <laughs> I think definitely. And I was going to say, like, uh, I wonder, ooh, do you, where's that Mentat mode? Do you think he goes Mentat mode when he kills? Piter? Of all the Definitely. possible ways to kill? Yeah. That sounds so I think Piter, like, like, is, uh, 
I mean, I almost want to give him like Benny Gesserit, um, you know, watching the minutia, seeing every nerve pulse, but that's probably mm. not it. I think he definitely like records the moment as best he can. Though. Mm. Maybe just to remember you it. You think he's got a collection? Uh, he just well, replays? Yeah, yeah. I think he has like total recall on like all those incidents. Well, I mean, yeah. you would have to if you're a mentat. Right. And specifically going into that mentat mode. And he remembers probably like exactly how far the blade went in, exactly where he stabbed the blade. You know, all these things that are like uh, culminations of his knowledge. Mm. Yeah, I think it's sort of what that is. Or it could just be euphoria. <laughs> it's like, it could be a combination of it all. Afterwards, uh, when he's look, when Baron's looking at Piter, he's Piter's just wiping the blade on a scrap of cloth with a creamy look of satisfaction in his blue <laughs> eyes. I Now all I can think of is Piter as a cat now. I, I was going to interpret the cream as like the Baron again, thinking of food. But I, do oh, like I mean, a, yeah, totally. Okay, but like, okay, no, both. I just think this is, this is a happy cat. This yeah, is a cat that just ate right. like a bowl of food. Like, oh, yeah. I'll let you pet my belly. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, you know, like uh, there's all the debris around the bowl. The bowl's clean, but there's still like little food everywhere on the floor because they don't pick up after themselves. Um, and a body for whatever reason. <laughs> a body. Now, the Baron, uh, he goes back and he glances at that night shrouded viewport. And get it's a black bag of stillness out there was his. The Baron knew. There is no more crump of the artillery against the shield wall cave. The burrow traps were sealed off. Quite suddenly, the Baron's mind could see could conceive of nothing more beautiful than the utter emptiness of black. Then it gets a little weird with this next like line. <laughs> I just don't know what this means. Okay. Unless it were white on the black, <laughs> plated white on the black, porcelain white. We get it. You're fat and love food. Like, <laughs> but I'm like, those aren't foods. Like, no. why does he like the contrast of that so much? I don't know. It's, so it's like, it, it honestly does just feel weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, I kind of, I like the kind of cadence of it. And I, I can totally see the Baron, like, having this developing thought. And he he's keeps, just looking out the window, licking his lips. Yeah. Right, he's there on the side, like, what are, you, what are you doing? And he's just, like, refining this one thing, black on white. No, no, no. Plated white on black. No. Porcelain white. I'm like, okay, it's weird. Um, and yeah, so then I just feel like uh, Yui's words are just like nipping at the edge of his attention. Oh, yeah, essentially. yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't, doesn't like that. No, he does not like that at all. And he can't get back on like his normal footing. Uh, so then Leto. Especially that one line, you think you defeated me. It's like, ah, uh, what the, that especially. Who I was going to say, you think uh, that's like. He still what has was, money in the game. I, who I like more. Uh, you think I didn't know what I bought. I like that is my like one where I feel like that would cut in mm-hmm. uh, where like certainly I can see the Baron like he probably doesn't like somebody pushing back on who won the game. No, like, I won. I won the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, But I, I, I like in, inserting a question be like, oh, you have all the answers. Do you know what I really bought? And he'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> if it's not what I sold you, no. <laughs> so we bring in the Duke, Duke Leto comes through the door his arms are bound in chains the eagle face streaked with dirt his uniform was torn where someone had ripped off the insignia who did that (laughs) there were tatters at his waist where the shield belt had been removed without first uh, freeing the uniform ties the duke's eyes held a glazed insane look madness is spreading so now he's got it well i mean not madness he's just drugged um no, I don't know. I mean, I think you can make the case for Mattis, but yeah, it's drugged. It's no sleep. It's like being put through hell. You were just beat up. Like, it's, yeah. 
it's all sorts of things coming mm-hmm. together. But mm-hmm. certainly, I guess I'm saying I'm not holding it against him. I'm like, you're not on. <laughs> he had a bit of a cat nap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he did. we did. That was great. That's true. <laughs> Lita went to bed. Okay, you know what? Um, I already had. I've already gone through the motions of Piter last week. When I, I'm not gonna lie, it was a hard day when I, when I learned this news. I went through all five stages of grief like in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> And my first thing that I thought of was maybe he's not really dead. <laughs> maybe no, hear me denial. Out. Hear me out because I've got twenty chapters of empirical evidence that suggests that Atreides are very good at faking being asleep or just don't sleep in general. Okay, okay. I'm thinking that uh, Leto, that's just sleeping gas. He's just faking, just faking dead. Man. Yeah. You think uh, maybe he has two teeth? One tooth is just always a nap tooth. <laughs> And he's just like, that's the one he really busted open. <laughs> Each one has a different <laughs> purpose. Yeah. Utility That's teeth. why he doesn't eat either. It's always through a straw, just in case. This is why we don't talk about the tumble in the food. <laughs> <laughs> Broke three teeth. That shit went wild. That shit went wild. <laughs> you just started replacing him. That's why we actually hired him. But, Mike, this is the long-awaited encounter. I think you wanted. I really did want this. Vlad and Leto face to face for the first time, probably in years, because mm-hmm. we know uh, when he wrote that note to Vlad, being like, "We are not meeting for a little <laughs> like uh, you know transition of yeah. power." No soiree. <laughs> no. There's gonna be no little ball. No uh, farewell ball. Because uh, that Baron is a Trixie Hobbit, and he was gonna murder him. Yeah. So, but we're here now. Uh, certainly under the circumstances, probably the Baron likes to have this under. I don't think so. I think he would have prepared for him to have like a normal conversation. Oh, no, yeah. But still be bound and like have all the uh, cards in his hand. Right, right. But you are right in that having nobody else here would be, yeah. uh, would be ideal. For no him. one else here. Yeah. Maybe have him a little bit more like conscious of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a little annoyed by that. Spider, what's wrong with him? <laughs> and uh, so... When the Duke's first brought in, uh, I love it. So the Baron goes, well, the Baron said. He hesitated, drawing a deep breath. He knew he had spoken too loudly. <laughs> Which I'm like, great. You fucked it up. You've been waiting so long for this moment. You fuck it up second. But honestly, it's not like Leto noticed. Leto's still like barely here right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like you should just like let this one go. Come back in five minutes. Um, but he's like the moment it lost some of its savor. Damn that cursed doctor through all eternity. Which he will be. You've guaranteed that. We know uh, Yo, no, his we, name we in know. history is going to be dragged through. So, uh, Piter tells him that the Duke is drugged. Um, which I think should be thoroughly understood at this point. It's the plan. You know, yeah. we've all talked about it. You would have known before he got here. Why are we still having to like tell you? But like, yes, he's not conscious yet. Um, but then we do jump to Leto's perspective for a second. And we're going to, from here on out, kind of go into his head every now and then. And it's always like you take the previous thing and just like diffuse it and make it so vague and unclear. Mm-hmm. Like, because he can't see straight. He can't hear straight. Like nothing. He's, none he's of his on senses PCP are right operating. Now. Yeah. And uh, the voices are far away. He can feel the chains, the ache of muscles, his cracked lips, his burning cheeks, the dry taste of thirst whispering its grit in his mouth. Oh. That's just great. That's yeah, that, written really well. That sentence is like harmful as you get through it. Like, yeah. I feel a little tired and fatigued by the end of it. I need to drink water. <laughs> water. <laughs> um, but sounds were dull, hidden in a cottony blanket, and he saw only dim shapes through the blanket. 
So the Baron, he's still going to endeavor to like interrogate him at this point, uh, despite how out of it he clearly is. Yeah, this is not ideal, but he'll do it. Mm -hmm. But first things first, Mm. what about the other two? What What about what about the boy and the woman? Right, right. Yeah, that's the first thing the Baron's going to ask about. And uh, Piter's tongue darts over his lips. Uh Oh, and I like that's his tell. I want yeah. to play some poker with Piter. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say because he's definitely he doesn't want to say anything. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you think it's like fear of the Baron or again the truth sayer fear? Because I assume at this point, this the, is actually... I think the Baron doesn't realize he's not getting Paul. Or wait, no, he does already no, know that. Well, this is kind of a weird situation because he purposefully said, "I don't want to know what you do with him because I want to have a degree of separation." Walks out, and now ten minutes later, is like, "So what happened? What, <laughs> yeah, what'd you do with those guys? Yeah, like, why would you? That's so dumb." Piter's just like, "Is this a trap? <laughs> Am I supposed to tell you? You told me not oh. to tell you." Yeah, yeah that, honestly, that's a little bit weird. That yeah, I think that's even more so than when yeah. I asked you. Then yeah. The Baron should already know. Again, we've gone over every aspect of this plan for months. No one should be asking questions at this point. This should be all. <laughs> and the whole point was the Baron didn't want to know. Yeah. He wanted to. Piter is the Piter, only one who should know. And then Piter followed suit saying, I don't want to know either. Yeah. And then so I, why does anyone know? <laughs> <laughs> or ask. Right. <laughs> and then I like, because um, again, Piter is like explaining what happened. And he's like, oh. Well, the men were found dead. And the Baron's like, like yeah, yeah, right, know. I know. The <laughs> it's, like, it's a big thing of who's on first right now. Of course oh, they were dead, Piter. But what about the man and the woman? And he's like, no, you don't understand. Oh. We found them dead and no evidence. But he's like, you know what? But a worm came. <laughs> <laughs> there was a worm. How'd you find them then? Oh, that, yeah, exactly. So was it overcomes? Like, oh, oh the worm's coming. Worm's coming. <laughs> Right, but like, how do you find those two people if the worm came? Wouldn't that have eaten them if that was what... So was there still something in the sky then, just watching this happen? And why didn't they follow through? To be fair, I guess we still have to check back in with Paul and Jessica. That's going to be the next chapter, right? Yeah, yeah. It has to be. Yeah, it is. So that's how we're going to close it out. But we did leave, because they got in that thopter, I think concurrent to what's happening now. Or it must be a little bit later if Piter is talking about this. Right. Um, because uh, we know that they killed those people, right? Um, and a worm came. No, well, we left the heart. Remember that that thopter swooping down, yeah, 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 of her saying it's Harkonnens, right? Right. So, right. some point after that is when the worm's gonna come, right? Yeah, in terms so of I'm saying this is happening after the events of the next chapter, probably. yeah, 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 unless the worm comes in that chapter. And then maybe we're right up, with unless it. he's just like, oh, just this live from the desert. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. This is after the fact for sure. <laughs> I was just thinking like, is Duke Paul calling in? <laughs> Who makes that call? Who's our special guest calling in today? <laughs> I'm going to kill you, Baron. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> oh, when I find my way out of this desert. <laughs> so a worm came. Mm-hmm. Question. Do you think uh, a worm would be attracted to the munitions being fired on the shield wall at all? You think that would send any sort of reverberations around? Uh, yes, but it's uh, they can't get in there. They wouldn't get in there, but do you, do you think there'd be worms like right, hot right, in the right. area? I, th- I think like uh, yeah, whatever territory is abutting the shield wall, maybe yeah. it's agitating them a little bit. Yeah. Sure, because uh, if fremen are careful with their footsteps, I imagine like explosive artillery will yeah, probably yeah. send no, a worm. I, I mean, I think that artillery is going to be the equivalent of a thumper, like yeah. bump, 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 and basically some worm is like pissed off on the other side of the wall just like i don't know where this is but like i'm gonna find it and mm-hmm. just like burrowing through until it hits rock every time 
There's more thumping. It's just a worm smashing its face against the wall. Like, let me in. Brings another worm. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Cascades. And, uh, yeah, I think Piter just mentions there's the possibility of it. And we get a good line from uh, the Baron where I feel like he spent some time with Kynes before. Because he says, we do not deal in possibilities, Piter. That's like the opposite. What do you mean? Isn't that what... uh... He's saying we do not deal in possibilities. Yeah, that's the opposite of Kynes, isn't it? Kynes doesn't talk. Oh, is it? Is it we only talk possibility? Kynes stared at Duke Leto, seeing the water fat flesh. He spoke coldly. You never talk of likelihoods on Arrakis. You speak only of possibilities. Ooh. That's like the opposite yeah, that, of kind of the, the Harkonnen mentality right here. Which maybe explains why they never got along. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Really, I mean, on a principal level, they do not see eye to eye. So the Baron is, yeah, we do not. And they have to work together on this Impossibilities. Too. Uh, yeah, had to for sure. Uh, and probably didn't didn't appreciate it. No, not in the least bit, especially given that uh, the guild agent at dinner or uh, the Harkonnen agent rather. Had oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, so then he turns it a little bit and asks another question of Piter. of just like, what of the missing Thopter? Does that suggest anything to my mentat? And uh, we know we learned that one of the Duke's men killed this pilot and escaped with a perfectly good thopter. Um, so but they it, did escape with the thopter. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, I mean, who do you think that is? That would have escaped with a thopter. I mean, didn't Paul and Lady Jessica have a thopter? No, they were taken in that. They were taken in one specifically for the guards. That's not the one we're talking oh, about. Oh, so there's a different one missing. There's another one, and it got like the pilot was murdered. And the Thopter was stolen. It's got to be Duncan. That's what I was just going to yeah. say. Yui kind of gives us a, like the hinting of it. Yeah, it's like if Duncan doesn't go to the place I told him, then things are going to be bad. Oh, it's going to be a bad day for Yui. I, lo- I and, love uh, this too. Like, who do you think it could be, Piter? <laughs> oh, it was a clean, silent kill. That narrows it down to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everyone with a name. Caveat, everyone true. with a name. True, true, true. And he's like, could be Thufir. Or Gurney. Or Idaho. Or or the only people that we would possibly suspect. Yes, everyone but Yui. (laughs) (laughs) It's just absurd. (laughs) And uh, possibilities. The Baron mutters. (laughs) And uh, he glances glances at the swaying, drugged figure of the Duke. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, he wants this. He wants this so bad. Now, Piter is sort of assuring him, you know, like, don't worry. We got this on lock. Uh... The Baron's saying, like, no, it isn't. And where's that stupid planetologist? So Kynes is also missing. Right. All of uh, oh, you think Kynes is going to intercept as well? Uh, I mean, what do you think Kynes is up to? Well, I thought that it was Kynes or someone directly, like, under Kynes mm-hmm. that sent that note to the front of the, right, the castle there. Column of smoke by day, pillar yeah. of fire by night. Yeah, I th- so I, I thought that was definitely sent by uh, Dr. Kynes. Okay. Or, or maybe the Fremen, actually. The fr- definitely in Fremen general. in general. I mean, we were bouncing between like kinds and mapes and like we, right. we can't nail down a timeline for who would be what where. But yeah, something's up. Like I was remember Mapes was our espionage chief. Right, 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 right. So she was Secret agent strings. Mapes. Dun, dun, dun. Oh Gave- God, I want a bond opening with Mapes now. <laughs> Uh, and instead like- of like uh, instead of like scandally clad women, it's just like El Mortes in the background. <laughs> strutting and then like <laughs> she's only coming up to like halfway up that bowl right and then when the gun fires you don't see anything until it like droops well, down. not even a gun it's just a well, no, knife. Like, you know you're like you're looking down the barrel i just think like because she's so short oh. she's gonna be out of, out of shot for a second until it like zooms down 
And then you see little mapes in her still oh, suit man. with her. I, w- un- I wish un- I had the desert boots. <laughs> I wish I had the capability to make that because that would be so wonderful. <laughs> double O mapes. Double O mapes. Not even a number, just double O mapes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, so I don't. I don't know what he's up to right now. My big um, thing don't is know where he is. Mm-hmm. If I mean, I think it's Duncan going in the thopter. Sure. I think Kynes is somehow involved. Maybe Kynes is meeting up with them because. Oh, uh, Duncan's Duncan. like an honorary I, yeah, Fremen the, now. the only other person with a Fremen tie. Right. Yep. With a strong Fremen tie anyway. Well, what's going to happen to Gurney and Thuf here? They're not in the the shield wall, are they? Uh, Well, I mean, you probably don't want me to ruin that for you entirely if they are. Oh. What if I told you we have How ten- many more drinks should I have today? <laughs> like Ten chapters are just Gurney digging his way out with a ballast set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of here, boys. I'm not dying in this rock. They didn't get me in the slave pits of Gady Prime. They're not going to get me here. Oh, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not. I'm yeah. curious what's going to happen to them. We, uh, we will we'll, we'll entertain their fates as we go. Yeah. We're going to. You think it's out. just going to be a uh, that thought there has got all three of them in there, like three amigos <laughs> like hop on in. <laughs> and they all live happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. You think that's the There's kind no of... happily ever afters in this book, Derek. I know for sure now. now I've seen the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a rocky ride, but uh, we'll touch bases with each one of them. Oh, good, good. Uh, it's going to be really cool seeing how they're, how what's happened to them and how each of them are coping. Because mm. you think we've we've shattered their norm as well as like, right. we've so thoroughly broken Paul's. Um, it's something they've been used to for much longer than Paul because they've all been around the entirety of Paul's life. All right. 15 years they've been in their stations on a nice little ocean world. Mm-hmm. Kind of living the, living the life up to this point. Man, Kaladin sounds pretty dope right now. It, it sounds like a place. There's a meteor in the sky. It's <laughs> <Whoa>. beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we find out this doctor, or yeah, Dr. Kynes is gone, but we've word where to find him. and He's been sent for. So Harkonnens are going to be tracking him down to some extent. Mm. And uh, the Baron, he does not like the way the Emperor's servant is helping us. It's getting, he doesn't, it's not adding up. Something doesn't feel right to him. You think he uh, is afraid of a double cross by the Emperor? Oh, yeah, I yeah. think he definitely is. Uh, <laughs> He's just a paranoid man in general. Well, he guards against everything. He doesn't even trust gravity. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> not for a second. Going to keep these on all the time. And we jump again into a, Leto's point of view because we're going to go into his head every now and then and the words kind of punch through the blanket he just kind of hears like woman and boy no sign and it is such a relief to him he knows Paul and Jessica are fine he knows a Halleck Howitt and Idaho all are an unknown right now yeah they're not captives everything is an enemy there's so many possibilities oh what do you what do you mean an enemy like, uh, I, this is like Leto kind of celebrating that these are all, all these people are free. Oh, oh, you mean this late? I thought yeah, we were stolen. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought Sorry, you meant. Backtrack yeah. a little bit. Whoop. This is, yeah, this is all from Leto's point of view. Like, he's interpreting, uh, gotcha. the words the Baron and Piter just spoke, and he just knows that Paul and Jessica are safe. Thank God. Halleck, Hawat, and Thufir, or I'm sorry, Halleck, Hawat, and Idaho are also safe because they're not captured. The right. Baron doesn't know where they are. Uh, being that Piter is like, it could be any of them. Who knows who killed that guard? So he just, he has hope now. Like right. that he can hold onto that flame kind of. And the Baron has got this last little thing of like, where's the Ducal signet ring? I need this. I asked for one thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
once he learns, you know, that I wasn't with the Duke, he compl- you know, he's complaining that Peter, you killed the doctor too soon. That was a he's, mistake. Uh, you should have warned me, Peter. What are you going to say, Mike? <laughs> okay, didn't he give Peter a look and nod? And, like, Peter's like, okay. Like, you would be executed so quickly in the Harkonnen house. Not by Peter. Well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quickly, but not by quick, Peter. Not quickly. Yeah, Peter, yeah. I'm on your team. Yeah, if we were going to uh, roll back the tape here, I think we would see uh, the Baron give him a signal. Yeah, I, I know those people. I Yeah. Yeah, but no, it, it's never the Baron's fault. He can never, he's never going to assume blame or responsibility. Peter moved too quickly. You know, I love the, this is actually one of my favorite lines here. You move too precipitously for the good of our enterprise. I'm like, that is such a great line. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know that Pikachu meme? No. no. you never seen that where like the Pikachu has like the shocked look? Okay, okay. No, no. Oh, man. I'm not one into meme culture, dude, but I can imagine it. Oh, man. Uh, okay, I will. I mean, okay, our listeners know <laughs> because they're on the internet. Yeah, everyone yeah. else is much better versus yeah. you. T- it's like uniquely this unqualified. It's this, this Pikachu with a very shocked look, okay. like expression. And the meme is always just like, you do something really dumb. And the Pikachu's like, oh, what? <laughs> I could never <laughs> imagine that. That's, yeah. That's the Baron right now. Just like, kill the doctor before he's finished saying everything. <gasps> After I tell you to kill him. <laughs> After I tell you to kill him. Shocked. And uh, yeah, the possibilities. He's getting what he scowls. So using, that's going to be like his little mon- or What's the word I'm looking for? Mantra? Mantra. Thank you. I would have said montage. That was the first thing that came out. <laughs> uh, mantra. <laughs> Uh, montage would just be him possibility possibility, possibility. All, all the times yeah. he said possibilities yep <laughs> and uh the, i like this one again in uh leto's mind and i wonder if you appreciate this the thought hung like a sine wave in leto's mind yeah so what, what would that be like mike what does that what does that mean a sine wave yeah yeah how is uh like a thought hung like a sine wave Un- unpack that for me I mean, visually, it would just be like, I mean, I guess really like any wave. Mm. What's unique about a sine wave, though? Or what's specific about I a mean, sine I'll, wave? Because, like, okay, if you if you lay out a, a sine wave and a cosine wave, they're pretty much going to sound identical. The only difference is one's out of phase. Okay. You know how we talked about uh, waves and phases a couple yeah, episodes yeah. back? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am putting you on the spot where I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question. But, yeah, that's why I, was, I figured you could take a knock at yeah. this one of, like, tell me what that means. I guess, like, I mean, in terms of what you would hear just like a single tone and note, just like one, like, uh, you know, like when you have ringing ears, like tinnitus. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that thing. Yeah. Like, I think like that one, like one note that he can okay, grasp. That, like, hang on I, to. I think that nails it then for me. If like, you're going like that. Time, yeah. Like that's like that. I yeah. can see that that is a thought hung in like hair. Uh, the thought hung like a sine wave in his mind. Yeah. Like that just being stuck in the center of your head, mm-hmm. sort of like ringing outward. That, that's the best interpretation I've got anyways. I like it, but it's like, it's a good way or a, a nice sound, I guess. And this makes sense. Cause again, it's him being like, Paul well, and, it's a hopeful one. At that yeah, point. yeah. Paul and Jessica are safe. Holy crap. And he's so relieved. And, uh, then there's something else in his memory, a bargain. He can almost remember it. The tools. <laughs> So dumb. I mean, that's partly me making it at yeah. time, but I'm on a, I can't stop. Uh, so he's mulling over the thought of the tooth. He can feel it with his tongue, but he can't remember who put it in there or sort of like. He oh, knows what it is. Knows what it is. Yeah. Or he, does he know what it is or he just knows that's important? Uh, no, no, because he's rolling his tongue over it. So I, I think Why is there so much blood in here? <laughs> oh, oh, Nafuda, I remember. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I, I think he at least understands the, maybe the purpose, if not exactly maybe. what it is and how it works. Uh, it's coming back to him is the important yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's slowly like, kind of building a, yeah, a reemergence. His faculties are returning. Mm-hmm. And the Baron is <laughs> he finally asked, like, all right, how long is Leto going to be drugged? <laughs> like, this is not, like, I do not have all day. Yeah, this is not going, this is not a good back and forth. We're not <sighs> having the banter I was looking yeah. forward to. This is like a head in your palm kind of thing. Like, oh, Piter, today is just... <laughs> Just failing, failing, failing. And Piter replies, "Uh, perhaps an hour more possibilities, which maybe that's what the Baron wants at that point. (laughs) That's what we deal with. And uh, so the Baron's like, all right, I'm just going to bust out a tried and true catchphrase. I'm hungry. (laughs) So they bring the Baron food. I'm not even disgusted by the Baron right now. There's plenty of other things to be disgusted by, but like, he's just sad. Yeah, I think he worked up an appetite. We saw him do some (laughs) stuff at this point. That's the most active he's ever been, Mike. He didn't even do anything. He looked out a window. Yeah, he turned around. (laughs) He, he's fun. There's no controls for the suspensors. Oh no, he's got to use the muscles. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, you know he you, he talked. Do you think uh, you know like uh, everything's an enemy to him or working against him? Like uh, Gravity, do you think he listened to John Mayer on the radio? It's just like Mm-mm, not today. <laughs> <laughs> this is my body is a wonderland. <laughs> Gravity, <laughs> I kill you. Uh, but we have a. Uh, some time passes. It's a good little time lapse because, mm-hmm. like, when Leto's going to come to here, there's going to be a finished meal sort of on the table. So he ate in front of the drugged Leto the whole time. Maybe I don't know if this describes how hungry and ravenous the Baron is while eating, mm-hmm. or how long it took for Leto to like come out of his drug, <laughs> like drug stupor. Yeah, <laughs> like it was like three hours. He took his time. Which happened first? And uh, I just, I love the the visual from this of like, so the, it goes, that's the Baron, the fuzzy gray shape there, Leto thought. The shape danced back and forth, swaying with the movement of the room. And the room expanded and contracted. It grew brighter and darker. It folded into blackness and faded. Time became a sequence of layers for the Duke. He drifted up through them. I must wait. So it's him like, again, think of the tooth at that point then. Like, it's not now. So you of. do, yeah, you think he does know what it's for? Yeah. But I, he is just... He has to wait for his body to sort of like settle back into some sort of norm so he can control the right moment or maybe find the right moment to like recall the moment. No, like, oh, oh, to like bite Assuming it. Assuming that it. he knows what. Right. He got has. you. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. I think he I think right now, because uh, as he comes to more, we're going to know that is what he's doing. I'm like, no, not yet. He stops himself at one point mm-hmm. to be like, I need to make sure he's right there. Okay. Let's see. I thought um, he was still sort of like in his drugged up state i mean i guess he is but yeah yeah i but i i thought what you're gonna kind of get that is that he still doesn't remember that yui does it so i don't think he has like this complete memory right and that yeah all of it's coming to these sort of like uh broken up memories from like you know maybe when he got knocked out is a little blacked out kind of spot mm-hmm. he's remembering before and after but slowly this like tapestry is coming together uh and he puts all the pieces in the right spot but as you can see a little bit better, you know, there was a table. Lito saw the table quite clearly and a gross fat man on the other side of the table. The remains of a meal in front of him. Lito felt himself sitting in a chair across from the fat man, felt the chains, the straps that held his tingling body in the chair. He was aware there had been a passage of time, but its length escaped him. So he's got all these imprecise senses and he's sort of able to piece who is who by like the sound of their right. voice. Uh, and I appreciated the description of it, where we have a silky voice. It's Peter DeVry mm. standing beside him. A rumbling basso voice is Vlad. Like, that is so... Uh, just the stuff from his perspective is so good in this room. I wish I could hear Peter right now. 
Just <laughs> angels, Mike. Angels. Oh. Feel a little heart playing. Uh, as he comes to, you can see the Baron even more clearly. And the Baron is he's doing all this compulsive touching. Like he touches the edge of the plate and like that side of his jowl and stuff. And his hands are just always moving and just not controlled and not disciplined. I think another contrast, especially to Leto, where like I don't recall Leto ever acting that way when Paul was sitting and watching him. Hmm. And uh, I love we get to, remember how I told you before the Baron had this he had a thing for nobility in chapter two. I tell you, like he's not all out for this blood and gore when it comes to the Atreides. Right. He wants this done right and precisely. And I think the way he first addresses the Duke is going to underline this, where he says, you can hear me, Duke Leto. I know you can hear me. We want to know where uh, where to find your concubine and the child you sired on her. Only one who doesn't say wife, right? Yeah. Calls her by her proper legal title and even like couches you know Paul what? in there as sired on her. Well like, done, Baron. Well done. Just, just You're Baron. the first. You're the, you are the first. <laughs> No, Greenby, like, you shall. Oh, okay, oh, all right. Oh shit, you said Duke. Right. <laughs> Except I don't think you would say that he was in the same room as the Baron. He'd be like, die. I, you, I, it would just maybe just one hesitation. I'm just like, oh, he did. He did everything right. It's like oh. as the blades coming down. Like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> just a, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I just caught that he uses the title of concubine. I think he's the only one who refers to her as that. Yeah, and. uh we have a uh, not even son, the child you sired on her. Yeah, child you sired on her. Just again, kind of puts it on her too. The onus of like, yeah, Jessica mm-hmm. did all that. He didn't do Jack. <laughs> like, um, but again, you know, Leto is just relieved that uh, you know these two are not captives here. Mm-hmm. And then the Baron is going to kind of uh, paint this out a little bit more for him. Like, this is not a child's game we play. Uh, you must know that. And then he he leans over Leto. He's studying his face. And then we get this great line. It pained the Baron that he could not, mm. uh, that this could not be handed privately, just between the two of them. To have others see royalty in such straits, it's such a, it set a bad precedent. So like, yeah. He, it I, is, I do think that's an interesting thing and does really highlight his uh, envy of royalty. Cause he, again, he had to buy his titles. He did. And oh, Mike, we're going to go into how they got all their titles, lost their titles, got some titles back, lost them again, and then got them the final time. Wait, today? Yeah, I got oh, some hard stuff I'm actually for you. really excited for that. Me, me too. It was a really fun ride. So, like, but titles were, is all, are, okay. So we let's, know the, let's not get too caught oh, okay, up in right, that. We'll, we'll, we'll do, do it later. later. We'll do it later. But uh, I did want to just point out that um, beyond him sort of being jealous of it, I think there's a little self preservation in that, like, the Baron never wants to see himself in that kind of a position or have anyone think they can like do this to him. So maybe just even having the rumor get out there, it's not going to be good for him. Um, but strength flows into Leto's memory uh, from knowing that, you know, Jessica and Paul are safe and this memory comes back, Mike, and he remembers Yui, the tooth. It's all there. The like drug fog memory is sort of like drifts away. And um, he uh, then grows conscious of a frog sound in the room behind him. This I never caught before. Frog sound. It's frog so sound. weird. Though. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh like I'm a- sorry. Frog sound. The bird mewling of someone in agony. Oh, So we get a second mewling. Just say it's the word, <laughs> it's the word I've only used in this <laughs> book. A couple times, yeah. I didn't ever notice it a second time. But I never caught this part in this scene 
where there's a person being tortured in the back room. Does that come up later? No, it doesn't. Oh. <laughs> no, no, but just like for me, like uh, going through this with such a fine tooth comb. Right, this, right. this is one of those things where like if you would have told me about this, I would have been like, I don't remember that happening. Now, I wonder if this was to sort of set some sort of like fear or like almost be an intimidation tactic against the Duke. Being like, who could that be? Is that one of, is that like Gurney or yeah. Thufir? But that, like the Duke I, already knows. But I think it's also for the reader, the exact same thing. I think you're left being like, wait, is, who is in that back room? Right. Is it one of the lieutenants? But we, you can, or I mean, like, if you've been paying attention, we know that it's not because Piter's unsure who could have killed those people. That's true. That's true. And who got away on so that thing for I, it? I think it's not for the readers. I think it's for the Duke here as an intimidation tactic. Mm -hmm. Because. Um, and it sets the pacing for this. Uh, yeah. Uh, interrogation. Because it's not until that sound stops mm -hmm. that the Baron goes like okay, I have to move on to this next step. Like, I can't just proceed down. Because right, uh, right. ultimately, he I think the Baron is really hoping that that person in the back room cracks before Leto so he can stop what is happening to Leto. Oh, yeah, because he doesn't want to torture Leto. He doesn't. He just wants that information. But right now, Leto's potentially the only one with it. And the Baron has to have it. Because without that ducal signet ring, right. I think that is what the Baron needs for some reason to be like, it's finally over. Do you think that uh, that signet ring is, was his ticket to like a real like shot at a title? Uh, if not the title, I think he had to give that to the Baron. That, that was like, his that, ticket. I think that's like proof of like the end of the line. But I also I feel like because Yui's trying to get that ring to Paul and that uh, I feel like the Landsrad or the Imperium on whole recognizes that ring to some uh, as like some physical manifestation of that title of the duchy. Yeah. In some manner that it is at least important enough that like. You know, the Baron right. is holding Arrakis apart like, to find yeah. this ring. Say, I mean, like, if everyone just assumes House Atreides is dead now, mm -hmm. but then, like, what, in 5, 10, 20 years, Paul comes back with this uh, signet ring. He's got the ring. He's got the name. Everyone knows who he is. Like, for all intents and purposes, he could be like, this is mine. This is yeah, mine. Yeah, but I would just point out that in, like, where we are in the future, the ring should be obsolete. He shows up later on, just says, I'm Paul. I'm Paul Atreides. Like, we know an organization that has his DNA record. That's true. And I think they could That's pretty fair. easily like be like, check this one out and uh, bring the true sayer in. Like there are all these other mechanisms that I feel like it is weird that we rely on the ring, but it, it's like a, a uh, you know, a historical backstop. It's a, uh, oh gosh, what was the, uh, what was the glossary word for that? Uh, for what? For uh, a memento, usually from a duel. Oh, a Ganima. 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 Right. It's your, it's booty. Yeah. So that, that's more or less the Ganima here. Yeah. 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 In a way. Yeah. In a way. Uh, who do you think it belongs to then? Is it Piter's? It's Piter's plan. Uh, he, he won the battle, didn't he? No, I think that's the... That's or the, is it the Sadokar Bashars? Because uh, they did all the fighting? No, the, the Sadokar wants it for the Emperor. Emperor. The Emperor gave the go-ahead. None of this would have happened without the Emperor. True, true that, true that. Uh, or El Muerte in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> what? If he never killed the Duke, his, his whole chain of events never could have occurred. <laughs> You just want to have a plug for El Morte. I already plugged him in the Bond intro. Oh, oh okay. You can cut that then. We're Sorry, Mike. I didn't, I didn't realize we were filling this one up. One El Morte we, we per week. We, we discussed this. You got to cut me off. All right. Oh, where were we? Sorry, that was a little bit of a trip down there. That was awesome. Um, oh, the frog. Yes. So someone's being tortured. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Why are you even bothered to like tell you that it could have been one of the people for it? Because uh, the Baron tells him, we caught one of your men disguised as a Fremen. We penetrated the disguise quite easily. The eyes, you know. He insists he was sent among the Fremen to spy on them. 
I've lived a time on this planet, Cher Cousin. One does not spy on these ragged scum of the desert. Tell me, did you buy their help? Did you send your woman and son to them? So, that one I find weird. Of like, I don't know of any spy he had among the Fremen. No, I, I think the guy was just trying to basically cowered his way out and being like, I'm not actually Atreides. You don't want to kill me. What do you, what do you mean? That uh, the guy they captured was yeah. probably some uh, soldier under the Atreides banner. who's just like, I don't want to die. So oh, okay. like, you, you put think... on a still suit and tried to disguise himself and like get out. Oh, okay. You think just want to run? I mean, that's the... just my best guess, I guess. I, I like, no, I like that idea of it. Like, it's obviously a, a not Fremen because of the eyes. Yeah. And it's not Duncan because... Duncan. Yeah. Yep. Duncan. <laughs> I think as you pointed out, they would be they would be so happy if they caught Duncan. Yeah. Uh yeah, so this is weird. Um and it's not going to come up again. So I don't know uh how we keep call him share cousin. Proper man. Don't you remember the letter? No share cousin. Oh, that's right. And he's like, you know, the proper word for it. Um I think it does have a meaning. I I should look that up for you. I'll get a uh there is something to that. Like that okay. is uh it's not like a dune thing. Okay. Um, I believe it goes back to because it shows up in um, uh, Sabers of Paradise as always. Oh, does it really? Uh, of yeah, course. yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. Um, Man, no, like Frank took a lot from Sabers. That was just like the hot take he had. Dude, it's at the good, time. good inspiration. Hey, it was a good book. Yeah, <laughs> good story. You can't you can't fault him on that. Um, but I also like in this uh, little sentence. Then, if I could unpack one thing, is that uh, we know that the Baron lived on this planet. Now, we weren't sure of that before. But he says, like, I have lived on this planet for a time. So at some point, he was the one in charge of it, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're wondering about this spy. And he tells me, yeah, you can't spy on them. What are you thinking? I know all about it. I know all the secrets of Arrakis. Uh, so he's thinking, how are you going to try and pull one on me? And the Baron, uh, oh, he tells Leto, he can just have uh, Piter force it out of him if we have to. You know, Peter didn't bring all his tools, but he can improvise. Peter's just like, sometimes improvisation is the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Peter, love. I, I bet so Peter. We, we all I, over that. How? Now, there's a image. Have you seen? Uh, there's a screenshot of Jaredowski's Dune. We'll pull, pull up. I, I think I might have showed it to you before, but it was Peter torturing somebody. Uh, no, I don't think so. So in Jaredowski's Dune, Peter was going to torture Leto. And he was going to remove Leto's arm. Oh! Uh, and they, so they have this little one. It's a, just a sketch of like a, um, what do you call it when they're storyboarding? Yeah. Kind of thing. So it's a few shots of that. And it's like Leto uh, strapped on this table in sort of like a T shape. And he's right. sort of like up at a 45 degree angle from the floor, you know, like the table's tilted. And you see Piter, he's got like, it's like a two foot wrench. And it's like on Leto's shoulder, and it looks like he's <laughs> bracing himself on the table to like crank it down. <laughs> he's got his leg on yeah, Leto's yeah, chest. Like, he's like, like, ah! up, get, get him some leverage. <laughs> I, and then it, it Leto looks in excruciating pain. There's some like creative liberties, but that's just ridiculous. I think that's a scene I kind of would have liked to see. No, down. I would have preferred a scene of just uh, the Duke and Baron alone. If you were gonna do something like that, like. Have the Baron dismiss Piter yeah. or something for a second, and uh, even like a moment of vulnerability almost between uh, Vlad and Leto. Uh, yeah. What do you what like uh, having like Vlad actually express his there's remorse? A, or? You've seen the Matrix, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a scene where, uh, uh, oh god, uh, Neo and uh, Agent, what's it, Agent Smith? Smith. Yep. Um, 
when he dismisses the other agents, it's just the two of them. And like, there's a moment of vulnerability oh, for yeah. Smith he, where he, he talks he about takes, what he, he takes the headset. Yeah, he out unplugs. Of what he, he tells him what he really wants, how much he hates everything. Like, yeah. I wanted something like that. I, oh. That I think would have been so nice. Yeah, that's that speech where he tells him where uh, humans rejected the perfect world. Like they're a virus. So, yeah. Well, they, like they would crash when we tried to make everything right and perfect. Mm-hmm. They rejected it. Yeah. They need chaos. I'm like, oh yeah. We won't so, get yeah. into a Matrix thing, but Matrix think, is just a fantastic just story. Like, I think that's exactly where the Baron kind of is too. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. like, no, you need this. Like, you know, pity needs to be cruel. That's the Baron's. That's MO. right. Um. Oh yeah. That's that. I, that's good. I would like. Uh, I would have liked that There are a lot of dream scenes. Uh, or the Baron and Lady Jessica. In that conversation we didn't get to have either. Yeah, we didn't get to have that one. I wonder what that would have been like. Probably more respectful than we give him credit for. You think uh, so? Just because oh, he called her by her title. <laughs> like, he wouldn't have crossed yeah. that line. He would have crossed a lot of other lines. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Peter is, oh, he's he's happy now. He might get a chance to, to torture a duke. That's probably That's so probably much. something he hasn't gotten to do. You know what? Maybe Piter did look at Jessica more for like as the Duke's concubine. Because he knew then, that he couldn't have the Duke because that would be. Yeah. yeah. Then it's like, maybe Benny Jesuit's the wrong thing I'm focusing on. Maybe, maybe not. I think there maybe a little column A, a little column B. Maybe okay, that's just okay. like, okay. <laughs> you know what? We can have our cake and eat it yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, but like the chance to hurt a Duke in a way is the chance to hurt the Baron. Maybe mm. he even knows that to that extent. Oh, that's an interesting w- way to look at it. I mean, would if he if he did get to torture Leto, like there's no way the Baron would never look at that any other way right. than like he could do that to me. <laughs> like we <laughs> saw that when he killed Yui. Yeah, <laughs> just like oh, so that's how Piter kills. That's awful. So he uh, he just keeps asking uh, the Baron, keeps asking Leto, like kind of what his contingency plan, what this emergency plan he had in place was. <laughs> it's like great because it's like Leto's sort of like how'd they nothing. get away? <laughs> I didn't have any plan. Like, I didn't even know what was going on at dinner. Like he, he doesn't say this. Just, he doesn't he doesn't say anything. But I just imagine like you're giving me way too much credit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's why. Not, don't ruin this, Leto. You're doing <laughs> yeah. good. He's having a real Yui fail up moment. <laughs> And uh, so the Baron's like, ah, you don't answer. Will you force me to do a thing I do not want to do? Piter will use simple, direct methods. I agree they're sometimes the best, but it's not good that you should be subjected to such things. Always there to protect the nobility. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's an extension of himself. Right. Gotta be the way he looks at it. And Leto, he's still watching those hands, that compulsive movement of like, just the baby no. fat hands. Yeah. I love that description. Baby fat. I can perfectly <laughs> imagine it. I'm just touching everything like a baby too. Yeah. Like, oh, you just know he's never still. Yeah. Like, even bobbing a little bit, mm-hmm. probably from like the suspensors. There's just nothing like controlled about the Baron. And uh, the sounds of agony coming through the door behind him gnawed at the Duke's nerves. Who is it they caught? He wondered. Could it have been Idaho? No, we've already said no, it's not. No, yeah, I think as, we as you keep that. pointing he, out. <laughs> I'm just. I think that I'm I, really reiterating you yeah. there because honestly, that got me. I yeah, said, is it Idaho? <laughs> you got me, Frank. No, I think this is one of those things where, like, I don't think Frank really reread everything that he put down on paper before this was published. As <laughs> like, and I, I don't want to hate on Frank because I really love this book so far. Hey, he's not going to say anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's been given the fighter treatment <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Yeah. No, but uh, the my point is though that like oh. everyone I talk to says this is a masterpiece and I love this so far, but I you, it is not perfection. Yeah, I think that this yeah. could be so much more. Oh, I I I, I think that I there agree. are points I don't that agree it, with the last line. Like to say it's so much more. I feel like he you make your magnum opus, but I, it's also something that like 
you could probably infinitely keep correcting. Because I, mean, uh, I think I've told you how he wrote the next book. It was supposed to always finish the one before it. But then he would just always end up linking it to another no, book. did he even... Uh, he meant to do this as a single book first, right? Yep. And then so, uh, it just... I think, like, ignore everything that, like, he wrote after this. If you're just looking at this book as a whole, I think he could have done so much more on this book in particular than just the first novel, Dune. Right. I, like, sit down and rewriting it and keep refining right. it? Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, because, yeah. like... I mean, yeah, and I'm just saying, I he when he finished it, I mean, you have to finish at some point to publish. I mean, yada, obviously, yada. you know, but like, he, he could take the knife, you know, yeah, attitude yeah, of the knife. Really good. But, but uh, I just wanted to say, like, he wasn't satisfied either. Like, I think he would have rather, if he could, like, you know, in Perfect World, be like, I keep going, you know, I keep working on Dune. And you, then, like, I keep perfecting it because he wanted it to be a magnum opus, like, one book. Right. So then the second book was meant to be like, all right, you know what? I just need one more to put a little capstone. I just got to, like, round the corner here. Cherry on top. Yeah. But then when he finished that, it was like, Oh, that's not quite finished either, is it? And you know, like he just kept. So expanding. he didn't have the attitude of the knife, is what you're saying? Uh n- no. I feel like he did the cut, but then he did not agree that it was finished because it ended here. He's like, it's finished, but it could. So end- instead of measure twice, cut over once. There. It was like measure once, cut twice, <laughs> something like that, <laughs> or cut once, measure, cut again. <laughs> yeah, we'll measure tomorrow. Uh, but, but no, my my point is though that sure. I I think uh, and maybe it could have been because he publishes to what analog? Yeah, in a little magazine. Yeah, so uh, maybe there was some sort of time crunch as well. I just I don't think he went through this with a fine toothed comb to get all those little itty bitty pieces together. Okay, and I I would just argue like, is there a like fictional book? You know, or I guess any work that could be equal to this that you would say is finished or like anyone could not find as many holes in ultimately or like as many points. No, I mean, I think you could say that for a lot of books like, Oh, you know, this could be so much better, but maybe, okay. Then just to the mystique of how people build this up and, but it's, it's more of a, uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Purple. No, (laughs) no, it's more of a continuity issue than it is. Uh, how well is it written? Because it, it it's written very well. I love a right. lot of the stories. Great, yeah, exactly. Great, but yeah, there's little number errors. Yeah, little, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely get that. Like that one quote we found, where we're like, "What is this linked to?" Right. Like nobody told you this warning. Like where do I want to plug this into? It's just like I feel like this, something is put here for the the air of mystique, mm-hmm. but we've already been told that it's not sure. Yeah, sure. sure. It's just like that. It's things, tiny little things like that that made me go, "Oh, it just takes me out of the immersion a tiny bit." Yeah. Of like, a, it's sort of like a mechanic that's right. like, oh, that doesn't so, quite yeah. do its job. It's not pulling its weight. Yeah. So it's not to say anything about the world building itself, because I love the world and I love the story as a whole. It's just like small things like that that made me go, wait, why? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think we've been we've been pretty good catching most of them. And I, I like well, how we, when I uh, can only read one chapter a week, Derek, I read it a few <laughs> times over. I catch some things. Uh, but I just think that. Uh, oh, oh, no, you, you completely took the wind out of my sails. Sorry. <laughs> that's OK. <laughs> Oh, uh, in the presented as like a masterpiece, I feel like we handle it really well, like kind of coming at it tongue in cheek, willing to give them crap on not giving people names. Like I think that's a huge one. Yeah, oh, like, I, yeah this book is yeah. riddled with errors, but at the same time, it's great. It's perfect in its own way. Yeah. Well, um, I can't. I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, but, when I get to the end, I'll be like, oh, man, this is probably like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But I, I, I think uh, I'm happy to say, yeah, he's never going to be. Um, uh, what is the Pope infallible? That's the word. <laughs> uh, and we will never treat him as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, <laughs> we can't with this. We can't with the encyclopedia. <laughs> the encyclopedia wasn't even him, though. Oh, no. No, no, no. no. But, uh, yeah, getting used to those things. It's like with the Shaddam issue in the beginning. 
It's just like you think you would have, you know, read that like back at least once and be like, oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just sending saying, yeah. sending your beginning points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one's Any, riddled with iron. I didn't want to throw us too off topic. I just wanted to like make a couple points there. Thank you. I appreciated them. I think we're on the same page. So coming back in. Um, yeah. He wants to know these contingency plans. Leto looking at the Baron because we're seeing him clearly now. Yeah. He recalls a quote from Gurney when Gurney was looking at a picture of the Baron. And it goes, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw the beast rise up out of the sea and upon his head, the name of blasphemy. Very poetic. Very, Very poetic. You know where it's from, Mike? Is it from the Bible? Oh, yeah. <laughs> from oh, where from? Oh, you want to guess? No, I, I'm not well versed enough. I know this would be the only the one few that I think everyone knows. Revelation. We're oh, last book, right? Uh, well, I was going to say Bible. like Psalms, but. Yeah, I yeah. only remember Psalms for whatever reason. They were a bunch of songs. That's uh, Psalms. Yeah, but which are basically songs. Isn't no. that all that it is is a collection? No. Of them? No? No. That was pretty close. <laughs> it's not phonetically. No. Okay, never mind. Continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. Uh, but it's from Revelation 13.1. Right. And uh, he cuts out a little middle piece here. And it's, and I stood upon the sand of the seas and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon its ten horn, uh, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Oof. My little side note, Mike. You know, Revelation is uh, potentially a commentary on the like Roman ruler at the time. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it was like a political satire when it was submitted. The um, I can't remember. I think the guy's name was John, who like wrote the book. Where'd you, where'd you find this out? Uh, it was um, one of the podcasts that did a dive of like Revelation. Oh. Uh, there's like a stuff you should know, and then. Um, what is that? The last podcast on the left, they did a funny episode of like digging into it, uh, oh. which they take a much more comical route into well, the Shout definite. out to them. I've never listened to them, but I guess I should. Oh, it's a fun one. But right. uh, the stuff you should know one did a little more history part of it. And uh, the John guy, they thought it was a different priest. So they're like, oh, get that book. Let's publish that oh. one. And so that council that like assembled the Bible, they brought it in. Wrong John, apparently. And this was like a dude from an island who just was like mad at the emperor at the time. <laughs> so he wrote like this big satire. So the... um. I think that it's like something like the seven heads is representative of the seven hills and like the ten crowns are these crowns of these kings and like the one of well, the beast that is active is like the current emperor. It gets like uh, that actually talks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little like tangential, but just a funny little thing that I loved, uh, especially since like, the beast is the thing we focus on rising mm-hmm. up out and that we're comparing the beast from the end times is what we're calling the Baron here. Right. Or Gurney is in any way. But that's a little guy. We got a Gurney quote. Gurney, yeah. Gurney wasn't here, but he's like, he, he left us a little something for the end of this. Gurney story. talks so much, he's bound to leave an impression. <laughs> and it's, oh my God, one of the Duke's final thoughts is a Gurney quote. That's pretty, that's pretty beautiful. Good. Um, so, Piter's pretty eager to get to work on the Duke. And like I said, I think he just wants to torture nobility more than anything. And this is like a, a Christmas for him. <laughs> and uh, even Leto, he knows he would crack eventually. If he knew anything at all, but yeah. like we were saying, what does he say? There's a level of pain that'll buy you. Yeah, that'll buy anyone. Mm-hmm. And the Duke's like, yep, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So, um, oh, my I was, I was happy with this one. I have my little notes here. Oh, there was a uh, solace in solace in tooth and ignorance. <laughs> solace in tooth and ignorance. OK, <laughs> just for tooth and truth. <laughs> He doesn't, have, he doesn't have to lie. So the Baron, he tries a new tack. 
Uh, again, he, I think he's like putting off having to harm Leto. Mm-hmm. Of like, he's gonna do anything. Like, are, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> you don't want to tell me? And um, what is it? He goes. He has this thought of like, yes, yeah, see him there. This man who believes he cannot be bought, see him detained there by a million shares of himself, sold in dribbles every second of his life. If you took him up now and shook him, he'd rattle inside, empty, sold out. What difference how he dies now? So sort of, it's a little sleeping out of him. He's getting frustrated. Like, you know what? I, I gave went, you so many chances, Leto. I went through the five stages with Piter. I think. You think I think Barrett's been through the five, five stages with Leto. <laughs> I, I see the signs, Derek. What one is this? Um, what, what are the? It's denial, denial, uh, anger, bargaining, depression, <laughs> acceptance. Ooh. Oh man, is this depression? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> or is this no. acceptance? Think, uh, like, what difference? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think this, I think that no, there might be acceptance. It's, it's I think maybe we've had a little grab bag of a few at a time yeah. as we've gone through. Um, just like candy corns, just taking them by the baby handfuls. <laughs> so two. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's like he's like you know what it's over. I don't let whatever happens in. And at that point, the torture in the other room stops. It's like, oh, wait a second, ding! <laughs> a little timer goes off. Yeah. Um, and do you think when he's baking cookies, he just tortures someone? <laughs> Piter does yeah. until they're ready. Yeah, Piter's like, yeah, it's usually uh, you know chocolate chip or about till like a, a male dies. Yeah, and then he just does <laughs> yeah. his thing. Uh, Guess I'll use this weapon. Our man with a full name, Umankadu. Uh, oh yeah, that guy come pops in and basically gives like one of these shrugs, like yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> didn't say anything. <laughs> I, t- I tried, uh, and uh, uh, this thought calmed the Baron, overcoming his reluctance to have a royal subject, uh, a royal person subject to pain. You know, he saw himself suddenly as a surgeon, exercising endless supple scissor dissections, cutting away the mask from fools, exposing the hell beneath. Rabbits, all of them. Back to rabbits. A little Elmer Fudd right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, the fat man, you can't. Just imagine this big Elmer Fudd. All of a sudden you add a lisp to the Baron. (laughs) It's like, it takes away a little bit. Nope, I can't entertain that one. <laughs> um, I really want to keep that going. <laughs> no, no, let's keep going. We only have so much time. <clears throat> uh, so we're, uh, but I like uh, pulling away the masks, though. Yeah. That's a great one. We had uh, Paul kind of brought that up before. All these royal people, like the minor yeah, houses and stuff, everybody always has a mask mm-hmm. on. They're never themselves. And uh, Leto, he takes a moment to appreciate his life at this and sort of contemplates uh, before taking this last step of biting the tooth. And, um, what do we have? Uh, well, I mean, also mm. the the Baron sees himself as the carnivore. Everyone else is the rabbit. Oh, is that right in there yeah. too? Yes, everyone else. How superior. they cower when they see the carnivore? Oh, he rabbits all of them. How they cower mm. when they see the carnivore? That's great. See, he, he sees himself as like the apex predator, essentially. Right. When it's like it's got to be Piter more than you. Like, oh my gosh, Piter! This is a man full of like kind of delusions. And uh, so later he stared across the table, wondering why he waited. The tooth went into it all so quickly. And uh, I love when we have these little moments, Mike, where we dip back to Caladan. We're going to do it right here. Because he remembers, he found himself remembering an, anten- an antenna kite up dangling in the sky. This is so cinematic. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're thinking you're watching that, this antenna trailing off, the wind blowing, and maybe you follow the string down. I think this you is one of his fondest like, memories. Oh yeah, definitely. 
And then like, uh, it's him and Paul. Paul is laughing with joy at the sight of it. And he remembered the sunrise here on Arrakis, colored strata of the shield wall, mellowed by dust haze. That's even him finding the beauty of Arrakis. It was that, uh, it was that just night. a few days ago, yeah. I think it was that night on the landing when he's mm-hmm. looking out and he has a... Uh, this place could be beautiful or it could be hell. Mm-hmm. That's it, yep. I mean, the last thought of it. Um, but I just love the, the idea of Paul laughing. I don't think we've seen that ever. No. Like Paul laughing and have a good Never. time. Kind of just enjoying himself. It's probably before the Mentat training and everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like just in the, like five years old. Probably the last time he'll ever get to in his life. <laughs> Wish you had enjoyed that more when it happened. <laughs> uh, and then we get to the line I read you uh, last episode. Mm. So uh, with the Baron saying, like, too bad, and he sees the jaw go. So Leto bites it. Yeah. He has that image of Paul and this, like, last sunrise he saw bites the tooth. He knows the Baron's there. Jaws clamp up. And the Baron just has, oh, he's so scared of me. Look at him quiver in fear. Yeah, I love that. He saw the man draw in a deep breath, and the jawline stiffened, rippled of a muscle there as he clamped his mouth shut. (laughs) Baron, how he must fear me. Like, oh, Baron's so close. (laughs) And uh, he let's see, he bites the tooth, he expels the gas. Instantly, he gets like tunnel vision. The sight goes down to like a, like a pinprick kind of deal. It and, acts really fast. Yeah, he he hears Piter gasp. He's like, oh, kind of like two for one. Yeah. I know, uh, like that's a good sign. And uh, there's sort of like an intense scene of memories rolling before his eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he sees like uh, like an old woman, like Matt Crone kind of deal. And it fuses into like the people around him that he had recently seen, and uh, we uh, we get a sense. Wait, wait, what? Wait, so where would he? Where would he be hearing the old toothless mutterings of hags? So my first thought goes back to uh, guys Helmahayam coming in, but that doesn't really make sense for no. Lego. Uh, just like we crone and we really hammered that in when she arrived. I I would bet it must go back to like um uh like a wet nurse or something. Uh, oh, wait. remember, wait, no mothers were ever around when he grew up. Right. Uh, so maybe that could be it. Uh, just whoever was in, you know, took care of him when he grew up. Hmm. The nurses and the maids or whatever. Maybe. Uh, a nanny kind of thing. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just take it as like childhood or some extrapolation. This of is that. just like a brief amalgamation of all the like, maybe not all, but like just events of his life. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's fair to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like a lot of stuff rolling in there. I like how it's sort of getting mashed into one. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like a kaleidoscope of memories sort of like shifting around him, Uh, being like past and present and recent and, you know, maybe even future to an extent. He's got that prescience in him. Uh, Oh, that's not all he sees. The room, the table, the baron, a pair of terrified eyes, blue within blue eyes. (gasps) Oh, no. I'm sorry, Mike. And uh, I like that we get a sense of the incident from his sort of adult perspective. And like uh, my favorite being because uh, he sees like, uh, a, you know, the uh, guy with, with a boot chin or something. Boot toe chin. Boot toe chin. And then the toy man. And uh, the toy man had a broken nose slanted to the left. An offbeat metronome caught forever at the start of an upward stroke. And I think that's Piter. Oh, you know what that sound is? I think he is? bashed his face on the way down. What? Like the sound. I can, I can totally Were you play the it. smallest An violin or offbeat metronome. Oh yeah. Caught forever on the upbeat. Yeah. What would that be? I mean, I can't make that sound with it. Okay. But <laughs> strange. It's, uh, I mean, I guess. Cause would that just mean that it's not keeping the even dun, dun, dun. I mean, dun. it's offbeat. So it's like, it's like, dun, 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 dun. yeah. 
Ooh, forever at the start of an upward stroke. Mm-hmm. Ah, one thought remained to him. Leto saw it in formless light of rays of black. The day the flesh shapes, and the flesh the day shapes. The thought struck him with a sense of fullness he knew he could never explain. Oh, Silence. I, I think it's just one of those really, kind of like how cutting, oh, that's on point, but for the knife line, like, uh, I cut it and this is where it ends. It's mm. like how that is such like a, I didn't even know, I wanted to say like a witticism, but that's not it. But uh, it's a very, like, intelligent in a line that has a lot of meaning. I feel like you can derive from it. It's almost poetic in its nature. And that's how I feel like this one is, where this is just sort of like a, sort of like a maxim that you can leave on yourself. And it, like, it seems like it is full of meaning, but at the same time, like, I don't think I can like put that down into one definite uh, definition and be like, this is what this means to me. Hmm. But it's like a little bit just of like how we, you know, shape history and the things around us and we have agency over our lives. Uh, but at the same time, like the day is affecting us and these external pressures are pushing on us and shaping us that it's sort of like a push and pull from both sides. Hmm. Do you I mean, have any thoughts yeah, on that? No, that, that makes, uh, totally makes sense. And I totally see how that works. I'm just trying to understand the sense of fullness he gets from it. Because mm-hmm. he can't explain it, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe yeah, that he can't. Just that uh, this was the point he was supposed to be at, maybe? Like, this is the day, he, you know, where the flesh and time are supposed to be kind of deal. If that makes sense? Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Not going not gonna to gel for you? No, that one doesn't gel. But so the Baron, uh, <laughs> we get though, he's quick on his feet, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so silence. Baron stood with his back against his private door. <laughs> Woo, made it on that one fast. <laughs> so for such a big man, he's pretty nimble, quick on his feet. I would like to think he's sort of like his dispenses, like, di- like he pushes and it kind of puts him up in the air so his feet run a little <laughs> bit in place before he comes back down and <laughs> zips out of there cartoon style. Well, um, and his only thought is like, did I breathe it? Am I okay? I think he would have known immediately. I think it was like a fast acting nerve gas. Well, yeah, he's, I mean, he's in shock right now for sure. So he's running through these things and he'll get to that point of like, where he's like, uh, wait, no, everyone fell immediately. No, no. Okay. I'm cool. I'm cool. If I was dead, he like even stops. If I was dead, it's okay. I'd be dead by now for sure. If I was going to die. You know why he's still alive? Why? Because of his goddamn shield. He's like, you know what? Because he's careful. Because he's careful. You know, he didn't turn on a shield and got in trouble you know for what it? Else, you the know what else is an enemy? Air. <laughs> Air is dangerous. <laughs> if we're going to keep counting things. So we, we discussed a shield can actually keep gases from assaulting you. Uh, no. For a, it, no. Can, it can slow down the transmission for, right. the, for the gas to get through. But it's not like, uh, like if he stayed in there even like a little bit longer, it would go through your shield like okay. pa- passively. So like because oh, it's not going nearly fast enough, right? Uh, it was like, but there is like a particle exchange, and so the, the what the Baron is saying, like he reacted quick enough, and the shield was on. Nobody else had the shield, right. and that, that is definitely what, he was also um, a little bit too far oh, away man. when Leto did it. So like, Peter was, was right next to him, and the guard moved into the gas. I was so furious with Leto when this happened for getting the wrong target. No, well, I oh. mean, like, yeah, for getting the wrong target, but Peter didn't need to die. I'm sorry, forgetting Piter at all. <laughs> One duke to another man. Come on. Oh, that was that was my anger. That was the anger I felt. I bet, dude. That was went harsh. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. So he's he's dead now. Everyone in that room is dead. And uh chance and the warning in a dying man's gasp. These things saved him. 
So Piter saved the Baron. And it's, yeah, I guess, but Chance I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I like, uh, as we keep following the Baron's mind, everyone else was like a fool and responsible for their own deaths in there. You know, yeah. like, he's like, Piter was just kind of careless. What a fool getting himself killed. I wasn't finished with him yet. Yep. I needed and, him still. And he says like the guard captain stupidly like moved into his own death when he ran towards the, towards the body and the gas. Mm. And uh, he does wonder though, how the poison ever made it in his presence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was supposed to be scoped before he brought in. And he's like, wait, there's, there was a poison snooper Five over minute, the table. Five minutes ago, he was just like, what could Dr. Yui be talking about? <laughs> and then it's just like, where did that poison come from? <laughs> That's so dumb. Yeah, but well, yeah, that he doesn't put it together. Yeah. It's cause, I think it's because he gets this as we thought before he goes on, where he's like, these will be the first questions for my new guard captain to answer. And I feel like <laughs> then he's like, I've done my work. <laughs> I just need to delegate this off. <laughs> so the Baron, he comes into the hall. You know, he'd heard like um, a bunch of barking of like various orders when he's in his private room, kind of catching his breath a little bit. And uh, his men are just kind of everywhere. And once they see him, they all kind of turn to him. And they're sort of like waiting for the Baron to respond before they do anything. Yeah. They're all very sheep-like in its presence. And uh, they're like wondering, you know, is the Baron going to be mad? Like, how is this going to yeah. go down? <laughs> and uh, one dude comes bumbling around the corner, gas mask in hand. <laughs> and I love that he's staring at the ceiling, watching like every poison snooper as he comes down. He's like, mm. I'm not. Nope. No. Nope, <laughs> careful. And uh, he gets to the Baron. And we learn this is uh, a guy named Nafood. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the one who we heard voicing out, uh, barking out orders when the Baron was in the private room. Right. So right. he sort of like took charge right after everything went down. And uh, he tells him, like, everything's clear. All the poison gas was contained. Uh, we got blowers going. All the air in your private quarters was pulled from the outside. So, like, this poison isn't anywhere else in the building. We're good. And everyone in the room is dead. To this, the Baron, you know, congratulates him on his new job promotion as guard captain. <laughs> Promotions all around today. <laughs> Huzzah. And uh, no food is kind of happy. Like, cool. I'm never going to be without Samuta. And then he probably had a second thought of like, I wonder what my life expectancy is now. <laughs> like, it's a little bit lower. Um, and that's and Samuta is a, uh, we talked about Samuta, right? We did. We did uh, Varite and Samuta at the same time. I think we had a little more fun with the Varite because the nobles used it at the party. Right, right, right. Uh, but Samuta is the actual party drug. Right. It's sort of like a little bit like ecstasy. Like uh, they, did, they play heavy music with it. Yeah. Which is like, well, there's, it's not just heavy. It's a specific type of music. Ju- and do you know what? It's got to be. And uh, you know what musical instrument is best for Samuta music? Ooh. Oh, is Balisette. it Balisette? Uh. Now, I... Uh, I do have a digital copy of the Dune Encyclopedia. I mainly just look at some of the pictures for it, like anything I could possibly post. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. I did spend a little extra time in the Balisette section. Ooh, nice. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, it's very cool. Mm. Very cool instrument. Some parts of it are just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I've learned so much about the instrument, and I can't possibly make one. Just because <laughs> of some of the mechanical properties of it, I do not know how it would function. They might physically not be possible. Yeah, but uh, I still wish I could. That's awesome. I'm glad you're poking through it. The mm-hmm. Encyclopedia has primo stuff. Um, but we have, uh, yeah, so Samuta, I was actually going to expect it to be, um, I imagine, very much like drum and bass music. Remember that stuff from like the early 2000s? That like version of techno spinning out? Oh. And then spiraled into like Skrillex and all that stuff. Right, right, Just right. like that kind of heavy techno like, music. Uh, like a trance into house. Kind yeah, of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But well, obviously 60s, well before any of that was possible. Right, right. He already had the drug ready to go. Um, <laughs> good for you, Frank. So... We now have a, there's a disturbance over on the side. 
while mm. these two are talking and uh a colonel bashar shows up from the Sadar car he's sort of like i feel like just steam rolls over these hardening guards of just like why do they even try he must be like a foot taller than all of them and just like push past them and he goes right up to the baron mm-hmm. and the baron's first thought of just like oh all the Sadar like, car look like uh, the duke <laughs> they do the late duke at that and I'm like, is this just a manifestation of his guilt? <laughs> or do you think this is like a reality that he's seeing in them? Maybe it could be a little of both because the Duke is related to the Emperor. Yep. And the Emperor is from uh, Seleucus Kundus, right? Sure. Yeah. So yeah. They, they tie it. It makes the sense that they would look sort of similar, at least in maybe some of their facets, sort of like how uh, traditional Vikings were described as like having like blonde hair. Yeah. Having having some sort of like gene traces. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, that's that's the word I was looking for. Genes. Uh, yeah. So and I, I think it could probably go either way, because uh, certainly we get the feeling they love to bring up just resemblances of people as a way to like make these connections and stuff. So I guess I'm going to lean towards like they probably do actually have some of these hawk features and stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh Maybe he's just seen hierarchy. Dukes everywhere, though. <laughs> yeah, I would I would love for it to be, like, full-on, like, you facially replace. And just everywhere the Baron looks right now, everyone has the Duke's face. And right. he's just, like, really putting him on edge. Maybe a couple Yui's thrown in the mix. <laughs> I don't want fighters. Oh, no, sorry, Mike. There are no more. He's one, of, one in a million, that guy. He is. You're right. And uh, so there's no salute from the Bashar. He usually goes right up. Oh, yeah. And, not even a mocking salute. Yeah, not even going to pretend. And we learned there's only one legion of these guys locally around of the Sadakar, but that is enough to overthrow all the Harkonnens. The Baron knows this. He's yeah. like, it's like I can't push this guy around. Um, but the Bashar, he's come to oversee the fate of the Duke as per the Emperor's orders. Yeah, what I was told to do. Basically, like he brought the Duke here. Then the Baron requested him, so I bet the Baron's men went and like grabbed him, pulled him up, and basically yeah. like out of this guy's custody. And now this guy has probably been like stomping Which his way up Which doesn't make here. sense because the Bashar was there with Doctor Yui with the unconscious Duke Leto. Yes, don't you think he would have taken him himself? I that's what I'm saying. I think he showed up with the Duke and Yui, mm-hmm. and then I think the guards held him back until this point, like they took Yui in. He stayed with the Duke or something. They somehow got you because no, the Bashar carry like picked him up. Um, I don't remember if he picked him up or not because we follow Yui out. We don't follow. He kicks the Duke. Remember, or not like kicks him. Kicks oh, him, I but, thought like, he picked he him up. He prods him well, with though. his toe. I don't remember him getting picked maybe, up. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Nonetheless, we follow Yui actually out to the Thopter though. We never see Yui accompany right. back with him, so we don't really know who brought who where. Regardless, we knew that the Baron was going to kill him, and that was part of the deal. He was just Yui. here to make sure no um the uh, no the Baron was supposed to kill Leto. Oh yes. That's yeah. part of the plan because the Sardaukar yeah. is Sardaukar just here is just... to make sure he did it in a merciful and painless way. Exactly. Yeah, did it by the books. Yeah, yeah. You are right if he there. didn't, Emperor's not gonna be happy. But so so I think uh they just some for somehow delayed the Bashar or held him back uh and stopped him from mm-hmm. getting up here. But I think he's been trying to make his way here the whole time. That's why he's so <laughs> You pissed. think they put a bunch of like wet floor signs out? Like <laughs> Just mop and stuff. One hallway. <laughs> a a solder car tiptoeing. <laughs> can't slip, can't slip. Uh, something I'm sure very stupid. <laughs> and, uh, that is, uh, so we get this guy up here, and yeah, he's furious. He's, he's supposed to do, oversee this. That's his one order, basically. The Baron knows that's his job. And right now, the Baron is in a tough spot where he's like, fuck, you know, the Duke's already dead. I don't want to lose face. Like, I'm trying to, like, hold my own. And, um, 
just sort of tells him like, it's, it's done. Don't worry about it. And he's like, well, I'm going to see the body then. And he's just like, Oh God. I'm like, there's no way to stop him from seeing the body, I guess. And, uh, he's going to, you know, he says, there's no way of preventing it. The Baron realized the Sautokar would see all he'd know the Duke had, uh, killed Harkonnen men that the Baron most likely had escaped by a narrow margin. There was evidence of the dinner remnants on the table and the dead Duke across from it with destruction around him. That's going to be what gets reported back to the Emperor. Not exactly how it was supposed to go down. And uh, I think the Baron knows this is going to be a sign of weakness. And like, he's going to be judged by it. Now, thank the Great Mother, he didn't learn about the raid on Gaiety Prime. And that the Baron has also lost hordes of spice because of the Duke. So it did go through. The raid yeah, did happen. The raid was a success. Yeah. They went over. So that means Fremen went to the planet, presumably. Uh, we don't know necessarily. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we don't. We were short on men, remember, beforehand. So that was why That's we true. were like. So maybe. maybe. You're right. Maybe. Uh, Either way, Bear's not technically having a great day. No, no. <laughs> and I think we're, we're learning. Like, this is hitting harder than before. Yeah. Like, the raids especially. And uh, the parents just like, oh, we must adjust. <laughs> and he's thinking of like how he's going to pick this up now. Now that Piter's out of the plan. Mm-hmm. Piter was part of the plan. Raban now. I've told you. He's going to have to bring Raban back uh, in. Oh, Mudir Naya? Mudir Naya. Mudir Naya returns. Good memory, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so he's going to bring him back to this planet and let him rule without restraint. For the same reason, though, to let him be a fall man. Mm-hmm. But again, I feel like this is out of his reluctance to hurt the nobility. He says specifically, I must spend my own Harkonnen blood to put Arrakis into a proper condition for accepting Fade Rautha. Yeah, he's going to let the Beast of Bond take a fall. Mm-hmm. But like how much he was going to go around, like if I don't have to use nobility or any, even the right. shitty, like he really doesn't like Raban. Raban is a useless individual and he's still like, not him. If I can use my mentat, my tool first, right. like I'll do that. Because he needed to get a new one anyways. Yeah, you know that we, we know the other order's ready. Uh, I love that with him. He's like, surely the Benetelaxes are ready for me. They're going to have another. Doesn't need to kill him. I'll buy a piter. <laughs> You wanted your I'll take a refurbish. (laughs) (laughs) Take a a refurb. Uh, So then the the Baron, he's got his his one request for the end of this day, Mike. Mm -hmm. And he wants the boy, the boy from Gamont. But he wants him drugged because he doesn't want to wrestle. I love that they they made a pit stop at Gamont on the way over to Arrakis. Interesting. I felt like that was more um, like he always ordered, kind of like he orders the uh, Mentats from Benny Talaxa. Oh, you think it's like a he, mail order? Yeah, yeah. I think he's like ordering uh, these boys. Um, but, you know, I can also see him doing the, like uh, just taking the stop of like. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Stop here. He like puts in his uh, spacing guild Uber. Like, like make little, a stop here, a please. parking meter yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, goes down. And, oh. uh, we get our, our last. Um, little uh, paragraph here the baron turned away began moving with his bouncing suspensored buoyed pace towards his chambers yes he thought the one with the lovely eyes the one who looks so much like the young paul atreides what a bastard yep he's not gonna get the real thing so he gets a little fake paul but and like has him like uh, drugged and shit too oh my god yeah dude he's the epitome of creepy uh do you know what color the boy's eyes are though are they green? They are green because Paul's eyes are green. Yeah, his mother's. Um, but yeah, that's how that one ends. This is our uh, the last time we're gonna see the Baron for a little bit. 
Uh, we're going to take a detour when we go into book two. I'm so upset for our beautiful blue-eyed Duke. <sighs> His reign was so short, but so sweet. We'll never forget it. I will never forget <laughs> it. So uh, you want to hear what my bargaining uh, step was in this entire ordeal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah well, of, okay. your, of your ordeal, <laughs> of your five steps? Yeah. Well, it came up here, actually. It's like we must send it once for uh, to Tylax for a new Mentat. Now, uh, Tylax, they're the ones that do the cloning as well, right? Yeah, they can make what's called a Gola. Now, you told me that there are several iterations of Duncan down the line. They're, they're Why are we getting more <laughs> fighters? Like, can you get, like, I'm okay with the Piter death if we get a Piter back down the road. I think Frank carefully looked at all the fan mail he got, <laughs> and he saw that one Piter letter versus, like, a stack of items. No! Mike, you're just a voice that's too late in the season. It's not fair. You missed your window to influence time. <laughs> what a fighter. You're going to start your Twitter campaign? Yes. Bring, bring back, back Piter. Piter wants power. <laughs> Hashtag Piter wants power. There will be one like post for that hashtag. <laughs> Every day until you die. Every day until I get Piter back. <laughs> oh my god. That's so bad. But that was That was an amazing chapter. Um, we've definitely come to a head in the Air King crisis. Mm. Everything's moving. Uh, anything we missed in there? Anything you want to touch on? No, I mean, I think I was pretty vocal at each interval when something came up. Sure. And I mean, mostly they were Piter oriented, but <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't keeping a tally on you. Um, I'll let the people decide. No. Uh, and then that, Mike, our deep dive today is. Well, what do we got? We got Harkin in history. Oh. oh. So I, well, holy, I wanted to talk about the feud. Uh, between these two. The family feud? That we just saw kind of resolved uh, a little bit. Uh, it's now been passed on to Paul. But we're going to look at it from sort of like the Harkonnen perspective and how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. So we did, um, when we did chapter two, we talked about the Baron and the night of his ascension. And right. A little bit about his like childhood growing up and stuff. Let's go way back. Before Leto, before Vlad. Before Guild. Oh, jeez. Uh, I, th- I think we actually go back that far, and then we quickly jump into after guild times. But, uh, oh, no, it's gonna, it might be all after guild. Yeah, but uh, beginning of time. I'm going back to hundreds, though. It's really early. Okay. okay. Um, so the Harkonnens, over all this history, they've had pretty much every title you can imagine. Uh, Colonel Bashar, Duke, Count, Lord, Baron, Emperor, Siradar Baron. Uh, I, there was no Siradar Duke, but might have been in there. Oh. Uh, they also have uh, some distaff titles. You know what distaff is? No, I don't. Neither did I, but it's um, the relations through the female side of the family. Oh. So it'd be like mothers maybe that married in or something like that, or a mother that had a title. But those ones include uh, names that we've come across before, like Lankivale, uh, that was one of the planets that like Abelard, um, uh, Vlad's brother, ran off to. Uh, oh, right. When he was like, I'm out. Give, <laughs> you, one, give you two choices. <laughs> yep. uh, Rautha is one of them. So Fade Rautha. Uh, Rautha is one of them? Yep, Fade is also in a family name. Oh, what? Yeah, these just used to be fam- separate families back in the day. Oh. They've, all, they've all intermarried so much over the time. Uh, and then Raban, which we know is Raban. Right. And uh, Montilla, which is the only one I've never seen before. So the huh. Montillas, cousins? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't find out. <laughs> and um, they all claim that they are descended from uh, Count Palacio Corino. And uh, he was the grandfather of the first emperor ever. So we're going back or basically we're, we're tacking ourselves into that family and be like, we're not really to him, but for his anyone, grandfather chose that. For can, anyone curious about that silence, I had the, the shocked Pikachu look on my face. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Derek is so unfamiliar yeah. with. <laughs> um, so 
Uh, this Count Palacio Carino, he was the grandfather to the first emperor. The first emperor goes by uh, Shuset the first. Shuset the first. Okay. Shuset the first. So, Shuset's father is this guy named um, Count Costin, and he had a demi brother, so a half brother. That's why we're getting so removed, and we don't claim ourselves connected to the emperor. So, the half brother of him is this guy. His first name is Harkonnen, which is going to be confusing, but Harkonnen Obashev. And I'm assuming this is all like Russian derivative. Okay. Uh, since Vladimir is. Okay. That makes and sense. Obashev sort of looks like one. Uh, so this is the first time Harkonnen is recorded in history for our Imperia. Is this guy, uh, Harkonnen Obashev. And uh, there is rumor though, because this is the encyclopedia, they like to throw a little shade on people. And that since the histories can be wrong, he might never have actually been related to the emperor. This uh. might be uh, the son of a trash man that seduced. <laughs> What? Yeah, and shitting on Trashman too, pretty low. That's um, pretty low. Pretty low, guys. Uh, but they're saying uh, this Trashman might have seduced Costin's daughter or sister. So basically, to like cover up that infidelity, <laughs> we brought him into the royal family and give him this name. So uh, obviously, that's not what the Harkonnens claim. They also uh, made a few links back to like Constantinople and um, through like the brother of the last Constantine emperor, uh, which I think is just them making a historical connection that uh, the, whoever's doing this article more so than like Frank Herbert. Um, and uh, their fortunes are going to rise and fall over the centuries. So we're going to keep Obashev is the one I'm going to cue in on right now. That's where our Harkonnen line really starts. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a son. His son is going to be a name we're familiar with. Abelard. So it's Abelard Harkonnen. He takes Harkonnen as the last name. Okay. So this is going to be like our more stable start for everything. And it's in 88 uh, before Guild. Ha. Huh. So it is before Guild. Ah, you found it. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't lie. Um, so he uh, is actually a uh, Colonel Bashar in the Sadokar. Oh. So he's fighting in the Sadokar. And he controls one of the five fleets that the Emperor has at the Battle of Corin. So this is when we established the royal family. Okay. And uh, this battle was going on, and it started to shift. So this is at the Battle of Corin. Abelard's in charge of one of the, like, a fifth of the fleet, right? Mm-hmm. He sees that it tips against Shuset the first. And the battle is going to be lost. So he pulls his fleet to the rear guard, and he's just watching and waiting for the outcome. This is that moment of cowardice that we're going to come back to. Because as he's watching and waiting for the battle to see which way it flows, Demetrius Atreides swarms oh, in and is this saves Demetrius. The, Demetrius, in oh. this, uh, Brian Herbert will eventually change that in the extended Dune universe. Oh, okay. So in our like encyclopedia Dune universe, uh, it's going to be Demetrius. Well, until we get to any Brian Herbert books, it'll be Demetrius. Exactly. We're going to hold on to this because I think he also gets rid of Muerte, and I'm not ready to give that up. Oh, that's a that's um, a. No go right there. It's a whale fur kind of hill I die on. <laughs> whale fur hill. <laughs> that sounds so terrible. So terrible. Oh, uh, just basking in the sunlight on this whale, whale fur hill. hill. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but so Demetrius, he saves the day. Um, doesn't really explain how or with what forces. But ultimately, Abelard is sort of shamed. Now, his closeness to the royal family being, you know, He's only a few generations down from the grandfather um, of the emperor. That saves him from being outright executed. And what does happen is he's ex- in, uh, exiled indefinitely with his family. And uh, I think it was only his immediate family, because there are other like Harkonnens who still get to retain some things, um, which I'm going to go into shortly. But we also got to say that uh, he blames Demetrius for this, and he kind of vows revenge. 
This isn't our Canley yet, though. Okay. So just we're not we're not quite there, but definitely Spark has been a uh, little little flame, and there's some like strife between these two families. Now, there's another Harkonnen, uh, a demi brother to Abelard, named uh, Ivan Harkonnen. Ivan was a pretty solid dude, all in all. He sacrificed himself to save the rest of his men, and in doing so. Pretty much uh, the emperor was like, well, we're going to give your son, I guess, uh, the props that I would have given you for your actions. So his son, Nikolai, is given the Duchy of Eluzi. Uh, Eluzi? E-L-U-Z-A-I. And uh, several wine monopolies. Hey! <laughs> just like throwing just that. Randomly, but hey. Very randomly. <laughs> um, and this is in 82 uh, before Guild. So we've moved like uh, six years beyond from the Battle of Corin and this embarrassment. So while the rest of the Harkonnens are sort of like exiled, um, we have this Harkonnen. Is, he's getting some props, you know, moving up in society. Now we're going to jump ahead a couple hundred years at this point, Mike. We're going to leave these guys behind. And uh, we can assume that some uh, simmering feuds are just there between the Atreides and the Harkonnens. You know, not outright hostility. So. And uh, we're going to go up to 388 after Guild. So we're moving like a solid 400 years now. And we get to Saudir Harkonnen. And uh, this guy, he's got plans. So the Harkonnens have been doing all right. Okay. But he wants the throne. So he uh, actually usurps the throne during a regency. So while we're kind of in between emperors, uh, this guy named Henley al just boom, done, overthrown. Sadir steps in. Oh, man. Mike, Sadir has been a popular name for emperors at this point. Mm -hmm. So he gets a number after it. Do you want to guess what number he is? Uh... Oh, God. How many years after the fact was this? Or once we started the Emperor? Uh, we're at 388, and I think they would have they were still an Emperor before the Ooh. Guild, too, because it basically goes back to Terra. Oh. Remember the time oh, of, like, gosh. scattered planets and stuff? Me? No. Like, the third? The third? Mike, I asked you because it was an absurd thing. Do you know what the Roman numeral H stands for? No, I actually don't. Neither did I. So the thing after him was H-I. So we saw Dear High. Is it like, the 26th, maybe? Oh, okay, okay. How about 201st? H is 200, yeah. So he's got a number on him. Uh, there's been a lot oh. of years. Yeah, I just I had to look up what H was, and I was really shocked. I, I guess like, oh, I, yeah. Not a Roman numeral I write often. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of funny. And then he's 201. Um, he's, I was going to say, no idea. Mm. Uh, but don't worry, Mike. He's not in there long. Uh, eventually the Sadokar come back and the Sadokar overthrow him in a palace revolt and they go and rescue. Apparently the uh, exiled emperor was in jail, blinded and uh, in prison somewhere in here. So I, they don't say where his prison cell is, but they bring out this blinded emperor, Wallach the first, and they put him on the throne. His name's Wallach? Wallach. Is, yeah. it, is the planet named after him? It must be, it must be some relation uh, at some point. Yeah. I don't know why else. Or at least that whole system. No, it's the system because Wallach, Wallach nine. nine. Yeah. Huh. Unless they elected the planet. And Wallach 1 is actually the first planet in that system. Right. Seen crazier things in the Dune universe. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. Uh, at least sharing that name for some reason. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. And uh, yeah, so the Sadokar, when they overthrow someone, they overthrow someone, Mike. So they kill him. They take his wife. They kill her. Oh. They take his children. They bash each of them against a wall in his room. And then they go so far as to kill every one of his pet birds. Why? Because it's Hanukkah. Because <laughs> they're 
Sarkar. I don't know. Those bastards. <laughs> They're ruthless. And uh, one son escapes, though. Uh, Duke Sadir II. And now his dad, Sadir I, uh, who became t- 201st uh, as emperor, he made this guy named, uh, this is a very Russian name that I don't think I can pronounce right, Yevgeny. It's Y-E-V-G-E-N-Y. I'm going to go with Yevgeny. And, okay. Uh, that was a descendant of Abelard. Because remember, we came off of a demi-brother line to get down to this family. So they kept their other line safe, though. And he basically gave this Yevgeny guy a uh, account on this other planet. So he's a count on Heratius. Okay. And uh, Sadia II basically goes to him and is like, I need help. And his cousin, or yeah, I guess it would be like his cousin, is like, gotcha, buddy. He brings him in. He's older than him at this point. And basically he hides Sadir II as one of his own sons on this planet and raises him as his own and lets Sadir just hide from the Sadakar troops that are like roving the mm-hmm. world, like looking for him. And uh, Sadir II, he has some time. He gets to plot his revenge. So this goes down in like 388 when that overthrow happens. Uh, in 445, so a solid uh, 50, 57 years later, um, he organizes a revolt to take the throne. So this is just going back and forth between these families, essentially. And he deposes and exiles. At this point, we're at Shuseth II. So Wallach I eventually passes at some point, and we get to this guy. And now he takes on the name Sadir IV, and he rules for a glorious six years before succumbing to an infected monkey bite. <laughs> First of all, where did he get the monkey bite? Was it a pet monkey? <laughs> I mean... That is, as m- I know as much as you at this point. And I sort of was like, did I skip a page? <laughs> you guys, you're really phoning it in at this point. If I go through the entire legacy of Sadir and I get to infected monkey bite. And then he never married. The duchy he had became That's extinct. all they wrote down in the history books. But I was like, Mike. Do you think it was like the tumble? Like they're just too embarrassed to talk about what happened? Oh, I know why it's in there. <gasps> Because I wasn't satisfied. So I went to Google and I put in King Monkey Bite. No, I put in. King oh, wait. I need, I, need a, I need the bottle of wine you for should, this one. Because I. Oh, sad news about that bottle. Oh, no. <laughs> I got a couple dribbles. Okay. Um, I did Google King Infected Monkey Bite. <laughs> Mike, I got a hit. <laughs> what did you get? Okay. So on October 2nd, 1920, we're going to Greece. Okay. We're going to Greece, Mike. We're going to Athens. All right. And uh, Alexander was walking through the grounds of the Tatoy estate when a domestic Barbary macaw, uh, M-A-C-A-Q-U-E. What kind of monkey is that? Macaque? I hate Oh, my God. I feel like it was. You a- think I'm a monkey expert? I do some days. Okay. A domestic monkey uh, okay. belonging to the steward of the palace's grapevines attacked or was attacked by the German shepherd Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> at this point i should let you know alexander is the king of greece oh my god so alexander attempts to separate the two animals as he did so another monkey attacked alexander <laughs> not even the same monkey where did this other rogue monkey come from and bit him deeply on the leg and torso eventually servants arrived and chased away the monkeys and the king's wounds were pop- properly cleaned and dressed, but not cauterized. He did not consider the incident serious and asked that it not be publicized. 
<laughs> Which I'm like, yeah, good, good call. <laughs> That's the only good move anyone made so far in this situation. <laughs> so poor Alexander has been ravaged by monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> After walking prison garden. This is his, I feel so bad for this man. This is his own house, Mike. <laughs> so that evening, <laughs> his wounds, they became infected right away. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Two monkeys bite you. <laughs> Some rabid monkeys. Um, you get the, a strong fever. Septus sets in. His doctors, they consider amputating the leg, but none of them wanted to take the responsibility for actually doing that action. No. Hey, that's fair. I wouldn't want to take the king's leg off and deal oh. with that one. Um, so, <laughs> on October 19th, he's, uh, so this is like two weeks, over two weeks have gone by at this point. He's becoming delirious, and he starts calling out for his mother. But the Greek government had to put her in exile. His father and his mother are both gone. He is a puppet king. I just did a the tertiary research into him, so we're not going to go diving into this. This is a really interesting time in Greek history, though. And I, I'm going to probably have to get a book on this. Uh, is like yeah, because I, I guess now that I know how he died, I got to learn. Who <laughs> we got to learn more. Yeah. Um, but so his mother was exiled and uh, they are not going to let her in. She's exiled to Sweden or I'm sorry, to Switzerland. And uh, she's sort of, like, in a fight with the government and protesting with them. And after, like, prolonged negotiations, the um, she's finally allowed to return, but only to Athens and only to tend to the king. And she's just like, yeah, that's, that's all I need to do. Down. So she starts heading over. She gets delayed by rough waters, though. And by the time she arrives, her son had already died. Uh, it was 12 hours previously. This is on uh, October 25th. He finally passes. So then the other members of the royal family uh, received the news by telegram that night. That's a little bit for Alexander. But, like, I got to say, for how that felt shoehorned in, there was something to it. <laughs> so I might Do you think he did the research and he found that? I, well, I'm thinking I might have to give the benefit of the doubt to the rest of the encyclopedia, and it could just be me not doing enough research. <laughs> but where I'm going to end this story of the Harkonnens, it actually goes on and lists um, a bunch of accomplishments by other Harkonnens. Okay. And uh, they're just kind of scattershot and take us through time. But I wonder if each of them is a historical illusion. Oh. And that, like, this guy is just like a history buff tying all these things in. Because there are actually a lot of moments, even going back before these other ones, where, like, Saudi are overthrowing them and getting pushed back. Or, like, Abelard uh, getting this together to go attack them. Like, are those all... Um, Milita- uh, historical military movements that occurred in history and I, I just got to find the right uh, allegory to tie it all together and be like this one is actually an allusion to this and this and this and these are all just like you know Roman conquests over the ages or something like that something is silly hmm. um, but very very cool the monkey bite thing so dead on and that's just ridiculous hilarious for how quickly it cues right into like this is the guy you're looking for king dead by a monkey bite <laughs> yeah we got that that almost makes me feel better about the terrible events of today hey could have been worse could have been a lot worse so at this point oh i guess let me uh stepping back from uh, the monkey bite guy saudier okay Mm -hmm. remembering saudier that's the guy we got to keep in mind right he gets overthrown now his duchy is eliminated the harkonnens are kind of on a hard reset right now and they are not officially disgraced but they pull back from imperial politics and are like, maybe this is not our cup of tea. You know, maybe we're not good at this, guys. And they're like, business, that's what we're going to do. Uh, and uh, since they were planetary squires, I don't really know what that means. Other than like... Planetary squires? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. But, uh, like, other than businessmen, I think you can get the feel for they're doing everything but politics. You know, it's what they're trying to excel in. They're uh, hiring out mercenaries, too. So they're kind of like, you know, a knockoff Sotokar group and stuff like that. Um, these are the areas that they're filling in in the Imperium. And uh, if we jump forward some further in time, uh, the Harkonnens, they, they hold on to that count. Uh, remember that count of Hiatias, the guy who, like, Yevgeny, who gave him uh, cover? Like, they have that title still. So we're going to jump up to 601 uh, after Guild. So it's another, like, 120 years, I think, from where we are. Okay. And we get to Count Abulard III. He is a pretty cool guy, but he gets stripped of his title, Mike, in 601. Because <laughs> oh, no! he won't back the Regency uh, that wants to do its Imperium business. Uh, and you know what? No worries, though, Mike. Two years from now, he gets his title back. Because the regency over, and another emperor steps in. Audrey the first takes the throne. Oh my god! And Audrey's like, "You're all right, man. Take your title back." <laughs> Counts like, "Phew, it's been rocky. That's okay. We'll take it." He then gets disgraced again in his lifetime because oh, his no. son is found uh, intimate in the bed with the emperor's son. <gasps> uh oh! Noticeably, the emperor wasn't punished. Uh, <laughs> curious how that works out. <laughs> so, I mean, what the emperor says goes, though, right? Yeah, pretty much. So at this point, they are just down, uh, they lose their count, and they're down to the lesser title of Lords of Tupelo. It's all they got. Uh, oh. And they have to pay a heavy fine into the treasury of the Imperium. <laughs> just like, man, you guys just can't get a break some days. I'm like, that one, I feel like they, did, they didn't really even do anything that time. <laughs> they did. Um, so they're all Lords. Uh, we're now going to jump ahead another 400 years. And uh, Lord Alexander IV, Harkonnen. He has a plan. Rather, okay. his cousin has a plan. Fade Al Fade wants to take the throne. And ah. uh, Lord Alexander IV is like, you know what, cousin? It's the year 1027. This is a good idea. So he strikes <laughs> that the year? Him. Was it like year of the golden pig or no, something? No, but I'm going to tell you the next year, and I oh. just wanted to tell you it in this point. Uh, <laughs> okay. So just that in two years from now, in 1029, okay. dun, 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 uh, no, it doesn't really matter, 1027. Uh, Fade does succeed. And he takes the throne. Oh! In return, he executes his cousin. Oh, oh! And Lord Alexander <laughs> is killed. So that's one where I'm like, that has to be a historical thing, too. Yeah, yeah, Getting yeah. help from your cousin and your cousin just killing you? Because uh, it doesn't tell me why he killed well, him. What would you find on Google? I didn't know. I didn't look for... Sorry. The monkey, oh, what? The monkey one... Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> to, to explain the like uh, the timeline of how this went down, yeah. like, I did all this, and the monkey thing sat with me, and I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't let the monkey thing go. <laughs> That's why I dug into the monkey thing and then had the realization that this is probably all things, but my window of time very uh, caught yeah, up. Yeah, we like, ran out of time I had to get before. over here, had to do this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm sorry. I will try to find No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I was just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, because it leads out um, telling me why the action occurred, I'm like, there's got to be like something there that I'm supposed to, it's supposed to be like a flag to me then if I mm -hmm. knew the histories. Nonetheless, it's not. So <laughs> he kills him. Now... There's a son, though, Vladimir II, of uh, this guy that was killed, Lord Alexander. He's put into a foster home. Thank God. This is the first time the children are also executed. And he's just he has no idea who his father is or what happened or why anything happened. Okay? Mm -hmm. We're just going to hide him away. Now, Mike, what do you think is going to happen down the road? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so As I make the little, like, death sign across my neck. Yeah. We're going to go down 70 years, and we're going to get a new emperor, Joseph I. 
He's going to come in. We toss Fade out the window. Uh, not literally, but all of his stuff. <laughs> well, maybe uh, literally? Yeah, it could be. I don't, it know could how be. I, I don't know where the window was. There's certainly a plenty of them. But uh, once we get rid of Fade, he's like, well, I'm going to undo everything that Fade did. That sounds about right. That sounds like uh, <sighs> a lot of U.S. government right there. Oh, my God. Yeah, we got to. Rest- so we restore all the titles to how they were before Fade. Which means, hey, Vladimir II coming out of foster home is now now a lord and going like, what the fuck? (laughs) Excuse me? My dad was who? And uh, boom, boom, boom. And basically, when all titles are said and done, Vlad is actually more than a count. He gets a duchy and he becomes the Duke of uh, Chamizai, another planet we're never going to go or touch back on to. Man, I hate that they do that. So, yeah, yeah, I, but I guess it's better than just saying, like, Duke. Uh, so we can get a world, mm-hmm. like, if I wanted to, like, uh, if we do the RPG, Mike, tabletop, I can take us there. We can oh. fill this kind of Maybe that's how we'll use all this. Um, so around this time, the Harkonnens, like I said, they're coming up. He's back to a duchy. Like, things are looking good. The Emperor, he's in good standing with the Emperor, mm-hmm. at least. Like, we got rid of the bad Harkonnen. Um, I think every time you kill the Emperor one, they don't care about the Count one on the side. <laughs> um, I'm going to call that the Abelard theory of uh, okay. survival. Okay. Of like, oh, you're in charge? I will sidestep this claim and just go over here. So the Harkonnens are actually put to a vote for great house status in the Landsrad. Oh. Yeah. So um, he they court a guy named Count... Ernst von Wieckheiser, and he proposes the vote. Okay. Yeah, don't know who he is, but Ernst von Wieckheiser. And uh, the vote almost goes, Mike, but it loses. Because we, uh, one person stood up and spoke against them was in front of the whole council. Was it It was. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. ooh, salt in the wounds. Uh, like hundreds of years. I don't know why this guy is even up there talking, actually. <laughs> hundreds of years. He probably had nothing to do with them. Like, let them have it. Think of how much safer the Imperium might have been if you let them have this one thing. But we don't. We block them, and they lose the vote. The Harkonnens are shamed. Now, in uh, 1604, Abelard IV is our current Harkonnen. And uh, Emperor Hanor dies with no heir, Mike. There is an empty spot on the throne. No regency is set in place. Hey. So powers that be start pulling in claims a little bit. Abelard, he's got money. He's got backing. So he bribes the commander of the Sadokar, oh. a man named Nadab Nadar, to push for a draft among all the claimants and that he should push for Abelard to be the claimant. Who's going to argue with the Sardaukar? That's a good. That's some weight to have yeah. behind you, right? He also starts paying off some great houses. Like we're buying, we're cashing in all of our clout right now. Right. But a bunch of other great powers are doing the same thing. You have everyone's eyeing for right. the throne right now. It is uh, a classic push, and civil war is all but inevitable at this point. Like mm-hmm. I think everyone can feel the charged state of the Imperium. Enter in Atreides to fuck a Harkonnen's day up. <laughs> no. Uh, Philopos Atreides. He proposes. <gasps> yeah, that's a cool name. Philopos. Uh, probably one of the, ooh. Probably, that, that yeah. We've had that name before. Actually, we specifically had uh, a Count Philopos. I don't know about the timing. No, actually, I think it was around 4,000 um, in Castle. Because it was in the castle uh, that, like, the Count Philopos was the one who built it. Oh. Because the Duke was on another planet at the time, and he's like, I just want to have a summer home to do, like, painting and stuff. Oh, I thought we had a Philopos Atreides for whatever reason. No, that's what I'm saying. That was Philopos. Oh, that was Philopos. He was the brother of the actual... He oh. wasn't the head of the family, Okay, though. I gotcha. And then he built Castle Caladan. the same Philopos? Which became... No, because I believe that was in about the year 4,000. Okay. Because we were in that castle for, like, 5,000 right, years. All right, all right, all right. 
Um, so I think it's the same name for sure, mm-hmm. and it would have probably been his lineage, uh, but not that guy. So we're in a special session of the Landsrad, and he has this idea, and actually I think it's kind of brilliant, where he's like, guys, there's too many people vying for the throne right now. I think the Landsrad should set up a regency specifically to just sort out these claims and select one of them. So not even put his own name in the hat. Oh. He's just saying like, look, the Landsrad is the best arbiter of all this. Everybody going for it is already part of the Landsrad. Let's make the decision together. And it's sort of like, yeah, who can say no to that? Oh, Abelard can. Uh, <laughs> Abelard is... Who's already paid everyone. Yeah. Like, excuse me, no. So he's got a pretty good fleet, Mike. Uh, and you know what his plan is? He's just going to go sack... Does guns? He does. <laughs> yeah. He's going to go sack the meeting place. <gasps> oh. While they're having the oh meeting. Oh, my gosh. He's like, I'll just fucking blow you guys up. <laughs> um... Done. Done. So, Landsrad members, one. <laughs> <laughs> they all vote for me. <laughs> and uh, so Abelard, he like sends, I think, a simultaneous message of disagreement to the council, mm-hmm. as well as instructions of the fleet of like, guys, get ready to roll. We're going. On the way there, he gets another message, Mike. Oh. Finally, the message we've been waiting for, Conley. <gasps> oh. Arrives. And uh, what I love is that this like, Stops his plan and he accepts. So he doesn't sack the meeting place anymore. Why? Why does he accept? Why does he just be like guns blazing? I don't know. Why don't you just be like, I didn't get the message? Um, (laughs) What's the answering machine? Yeah, yeah. I assume it's like dishonor if like you get it and you said no and you attacked, like that wouldn't be honorable. Yeah, but but, like, why is there any dishonor if you're the only member of the Lancer had left? Like, it wouldn't be all of them, but uh, probably. He had the Sardar car, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think think he could have made his point, if what what you're saying. So, nonetheless, though, you know what? This is when the Harkonnens had some pride. He accepts the offer of Canley. He goes to that meeting place, Mike. Mm -hmm. We get them all together. Abulard steps up. The Atreides, who I don't know the first name of, steps up. They are in a dais before the great houses in front of the land's wrath. Their duel begins. It lasts an hour of these two fighting and just breakneck pace. Um, like actually fighting or just like, you know, arguing in a duel. Oh my gosh. In a duel. Um, I'm going to be honest. It isn't actually specific, but I want to think a duel. Uh, oh, I thought it was just I like did, a, no, a you, battle of like words and wits. No, it's not a debate. Canley's not a debate. No, I thought they were. Oh, so it's an he actual accept, duel. He, yeah. He accepted Canley. He's oh. going there to resolve Canley. That is what that was. Oh, so that's why I think that I, like it taking an hour. And I just, I'm sorry. Oh, well, of course, I cannot. You know how I never get to the next line uh, that will like clarify. <laughs> oh, how yeah. I'm What's the next line say, Derek? It has to do about the bloody body that gets left on the <laughs> oh, day. <whoa. laughs> That's why I don't think he used his sharp wit against him. <laughs> Maybe it was really sharp. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, after about an hour, Abelard is dead on the floor. Oh, this is into the days of it. And the crazier thing though is they br- the bill of attainder is brought up while the body is still bleeding on the dais. Now, do he's you, not even dead yet. He's yeah, I, I think he is dead, but I think it's still leaking out. Like he's not he's not gonna object. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. Do you know what a bill of attainder is? No. Now that did I. Sounds really cool and official though. What is it? It is an act of legislation declaring a person or a group of persons guilty of some crime and punishing them, often without a trial. It's actually prohibited by our constitution. I did not know that. Yeah, neither did I. And I was like, why is that sounds like weird? Why would that be prohibited? And I was like, oh, oh, that's why. Yeah, yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Uh, so basically, like, he kills the Harkonnen. Over his body, they go, this is why he was guilty. <laughs> Stamp. <laughs> and like, oh, my gosh. That is where the feud starts. That is the That's or- where it starts? That's the Canley. 
that's the blood feud that will never be forgiven. But it is all tied back to the Battle of Corin. Like, it all stems from there. But, like, this is the bloody death on the floor in front of everyone. Uh, where the should have gotten guns a-blazing. Yup. So... <laughs> Yeah, you really fucking should have. Um, <laughs> that was wrong. Many members of the family also fell to Canley from other great houses. Because oh. basically it's like open season on the Harkonnens at this oh point. Oh my God. It, they might as well have like broken the great convention in every meet. So everyone's like, oh, you got him? We'll take that one. We'll take that one. We'll take Why, this one. Why though? I guess because the, they were coming to kill everyone pretty much. Ye- well, yeah, yeah, that's prob- <laughs> that's that is pretty, probably it. I'm sorry. big reason. <laughs> You're about to be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Like, uh, you're going to try to color that in a little bit, but no, you you, you nailed it, I think. <laughs> I think it was the murdering everyone that sort of tipped him over. Um, so, uh, cousins, brothers, and children of Abelard, all murdered. Oh. Uh, that's even outside of Canley, I think. I think that was just done. One grandson makes it out. There is a single Harkonnen left. Yeah, so all of his sons are killed. It's a grandson that makes it out. Uh... Arakli Harkonnen. Arakli? I think so. I-R-A-K-L-I-I. Interesting. Interesting. I like it, though. Definitely a space name. Definitely a space name. It sounds uh, so similar to Arrakis. Ooh, valid, dude. Very valid. Um, so he was able to hawk some jewels pretty quick and buy his way out before anybody else. <laughs> Just like, boom, take it all. Like, half price, don't care. Can I get on that ship? Boom. <laughs> He goes out to the Rim Worlds on the outside of the Imperium. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets a disguise and he gets a new name. Now, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, he gets a pretty good fucking name if I do Is say it a so. good space name. Rock Karn. Rock Karn. R A K K H A R N. That's pretty good. Rock Karn. Like it just sounds like a like a rock star. Um, well, I mean, like it also, I mean, it just sounds like a traditional Karn. Oh, oh yeah, that rocks. Because his family is just Damn. buried and dead. Oh wow, Mike! Way to make wait, you made him a softy, and yeah. Hey, um, hey, you know what? Vlad killed Piter. I don't care. Do you think he's gonna have like a remorseful uh, spend time in there? What do you think he's gonna do on the rim? Start building up. Yeah, yeah. How? Where do you think a Harkonnen's gonna delve into? Because this guy kind of single-handedly puts us on the course to the Harkonnen's back on track. Probably just some good investments. I mean, what was it the Harkonnen's really have? Mining, maybe. Well, no, we lost all of our like have infrastructure. We, We're just leaving with some money. But have we have we established Arrakis's usefulness by this point? Um, yes, but it's not the Harkonnens. Okay, it's some sort. I mean, I don't know who's maybe in some sort of, of spice Arrakis. trading or. Okay, I don't know. Well, uh, what we end up having happen is he becomes a notorious arms dealer. Ooh, on the outside of the Imperium, and uh, he kind of uh, catches on to something. And that is, it's like, hey, if I cause a little civil unrest here, if I can get this faction to fight against this faction, they buy more weapons. So he creates his own industry, more or less. He does. And, you know, I think he, um, who's the, uh, Nobel was like a arms dealer. Mm-hmm. I bet this is an allusion to him. You think so? Coming out of I was going to say, frame. this sounds like it might be uh, some sort of like allegory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, basically, like, what it outlines is what I know to be, like, the most scandalous form of weapon dealing, mm-hmm. where he goes, he uh, sells a weapon, like, some powerful weapon to one side, he then gives rumors of it to the other side, and then eventually sells it to that side. Or the way to undermine it, he'll sell it to the mm. other side. You know, just playing them off of each other, and he's arming both of these armies, mm-hmm. which is exactly what a war profiteer would want to do. Right. 
Um, so I, I feel like that's got to be true. And certainly, like, I'll, I'll get back to you if I ever find any more of these. Because, like, no, no, so I mean, like, it's definitely interesting. Monkey Bite, I know you're going to be Monkey Bite was undoing. Um, so Rock Karn is out there uh, being this crazy weapons dealer. And he is set to sort of, like, rebuild uh, a little bit of an empire, if you will. And he's, like, just causing unrest everywhere. Basically, he slowly is moving inward in the Imperium, Mike. He's making his way back in to the point where he becomes so good at what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's selling so many weapons to so many people. He causes so much unrest and chaos that in 1680, the regent of the empire resigns in disgrace. What? Because there's war and chaos everywhere. No one's in charge right now. Like, no one can keep control. <laughs> Two weeks later, the next regent also gives up and leaves. What? Now, the, the center government is gone. It is only thing keeping the Imperium together. It is like a loose-knit coalition of great houses kind of pretending to be the lands rat at this point. Oh, my gosh. And, uh... I'm going to call him Iraqi at this point, but I think Iraqi is sitting back and being like, job well done. When <laughs> like, does he take back his name? He doesn't really. Um, I think he keeps on to rock Karn until, uh, until we get to this uh, last little bit. So rock Karn, he, uh, no, seeing this chaos, seeing this vacuum of power, right? No one's in charge. No, uh, no one's sitting on the golden lion throne. If we are calling it at this point. Mm. So he roots out a long shot Carino, uh, family member. This guy named Carino Bin Alman Bin Enor, H-E-N-O-O-R. Within that, I believe Bin uh, means like son of. Okay. In um, When I was reading the Lawrence of Arabia's book, uh, Seven Pillars of Wisdom, when he was referring to people, uh, they would use Ibn, and he spelt it I-B-N, and that always meant son of. Oh. So you'd say like Fiesel, Ibn, like whatever, uh, and go on like that. So I believe that's why that's like Corinne been almond so like son of almond son of hanor and that probably oh, that's traces, cool. yeah, yeah, traces yeah. back a few emperors or that's whoever. a good catch yeah thank you just to give you a little fill in so he's like well i'm gonna take this carino punk and uh <laughs> prop him up so you know come here buddy spruces him up gives him a new set of clothes uh we bring him in front of the lanzarad and we're like guys you want to solve this problem? Like, look here. I got a ruler for you. He has the right lineage. No one can really uh, call him out on it. None of you could fight over it. And this could all be resolved. And the Landsrad is sort of just like, we don't really want to do this, but like, anybody else got a better option? No. <laughs> like, the whole universe is burning right now. So in 1701, he gets uh, elected and he is coronated as Corin the Fourth. New Emperor steps up. Oh. Now, New Emperor, Mike, he's got some debts to pay, I guess. So the first thing that he deposits to the Landsrad is he pushes to have the Harkonnens introduced before the great houses of the Landsrad yet oh. again. And it is not until the year 1717. So even that takes 16 years. The Landsrad finally concedes and the Harkonnens are welcomed in as a great house in the Imperium wow. forevermore. And that is my history on the Harkonnens ups and downs. That's actually really wild. What's really wild, Mike, is that's only 2,000 years. That only brought us to seventeen seventeen after Guild. So that's how they we started eighty eight. That's how Guild. they bought their way. The, they bought their title more or less. Yeah, after yeah, they yeah, were dishonored. Yeah. Yep. Because like I said, I do have a list of like other ones that I think I'll touch on later in the book. Okay. Maybe we'll, we'll have other times where we touch on Harkin and stuff. Um, and they were kind of scattershot. I think very much plugging you in from this year, so about two thousand after Guild until the present, being ten thousand. But wow, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, a little more. How do you feel about the Harkonnens all in all now? 
I mean, I like it. I think it's interesting. I I I, find I think it, I mean I understand the blood feud. Yeah, but I liked their family history more than the Atreides family history. Did we go through the entire Atreides family history? Again, well, I'm never going to take you through the entirety because it's like ten thousand. Like, and they don't right. they don't give me that minute one. They only of the highlights they did give me though. I mean, it, they've just been there the whole time, more or less. Y- yeah, it was basically like we were here. We used to be artists. Now we're kind. of I mean, soldiers. it definitely justifies a bit of the uh, the hate towards that family. Because, like, they're the ones that have caused all the strife. Which, who into who? The, the Atreides to the Harkonnens. You think the In Har- the Harkonnens' eyes. Yeah, yeah. The Atreides have caused the problems. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think at so many points, like, the Atreides were almost petty to an extent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking curious why that, that one guy spoke up. Like, spoke ah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To sway the last houses, that was already a close vote. So it's not like it was a concise consensus among them all. of Everyone being, like, on the same page. It was divisive. Uh, it's like, what could have been different? What could have happened? He just likes to be devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, I'm like, shit, no, it's still past the point where they became, like, the educated ones. But, yeah, what if it was just one of the academic, like, oh, I guess I should just make this point for the sake of making the argument. Uh, no one else has brought it up. <laughs> you go, oh, Urkel Atreides like, back at it. <laughs> Urkel Atreides. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> Always causing Canley. Oh. <laughs> but man with a knife in his hands. Oh, he takes the Sappho juice. He turns into, uh, what's the cool Urkel's name? Stefan. Stefan. <laughs> oh, I love that show. All right. Family Matters. <laughs> that, that is now the end of my hardcore in history. I'm glad I got that. That's a good, that's a good beat to leave off on. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I got a surprise for you, Derek. Oh, uh, Mike, I actually did have a surprise for you. I forgot to bring. Wait, what? It's going to be for next episode. Ah, well, maybe, okay, well, maybe it's for the best because next episode is the last of book one within Dune. Yeah. I'm finishing our season one. That's but, pretty good. Well, it's not season one. I think it's, I think Dune well, as a whole, I think we'll call season one. Okay. Okay. I, it makes me feel accomplished if we do call this season one, that, but I agree. Fair. I think but you're I think, right. Yeah, no. I mean, if we're going to do this right, let's make each book a season. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we'll take it one at a time. That's also me signing on for more than just Dune. Woo, gotcha. <laughs> no, I already committed you with Matt's email. I yeah, told him we're getting to God. <laughs> you got me. You're, you're locked you in, man. Well, what, what do you got for a surprise? Um, What'd you bring me? So I was quiet there for a little bit during the beginning of your... Uh, My history? Your history. Uh, the monkey bite really got me back in. <laughs> <laughs> bring him back in with the monkey yeah, bite. You always, you always say the monkey bite for those ones. But, I've uh, had it this whole podcast, Mike. I started on a little bit of a dirge for Piter. Oh, you got one? I, well, a little bit. There's okay. Just a few lines here. Sweet parting to our duke, Piter de Vries. Such venom he had, blue within blue were his eyes. His passing hit me hard, it pained and cut me. I gasped as he gasped, my poor cancer puppy. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Torture and schemes his claim to fame. Now lay your beautiful head to rest, because it's time for the glossary game! <laughs> Shit, Mike. <laughs> I held back your A plus, dude. I think you hit it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's really good. You worked in Cancer Puppy, man. Yeah, I didn't think I'd rhyme that one. I didn't, I didn't think you should, um, <laughs> from an ethical standpoint. But you done did it. <laughs> you know, I think this one gets better the more you drink it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because we were low on the hog before. You gotta wait till you gotta, you're high on the hog. Gotta wait till you're high on the hog. That's the secret. I'm <laughs> feeling it. Feeling it. Woo! So, uh, <laughs> last week, this week was a rough one. I think I've taken this game. 
Uh, <laughs> That's how you want to open the game? Yeah. Thanks. 2418. Jesus. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's it, man. Hey. That's really it. I still got my dignity buried somewhere in there. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's the last word. <laughs> I think you're going to need Conley to bring this one back. <laughs> but uh, do you oh. remember last week's words? Um, we had Amtal no. or Amtal rule. Interchangeable between Amtal and Amtal rule. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and what, is, what does that mean? Was, I, I don't remember that. Right. One. It was a common rule on primitive worlds under which something is tested to, term, to determine its limits or defects. And commonly, it was testing to destruction. So testing something to see how far it can go before it breaks. Okay, yeah. And we, I think, did we say that was a very Sadokar thing to do? A very Sadokar <laughs> thing to do. And they always did it on primitive worlds. It was a common rule on primitive worlds. Okay. And then I gave you, a, on the second word, I gave you a bonus world word in tandem with it. So it was Judicar. And <laughs> I, the I word love that how you put it, that emphasis on Judy. <laughs> That's all I hear when Judy, you say it is Judicar. Judge Judicar. <laughs> so Judicar. And Mantene. Those, the Mantene was a bonus one. Oh, man. Mantene is like, it's triggering me, Mike. I'm just like, I'm hating it as you say it. I'm like, what did that word mean? What did it do to me? Mantene. So, Judicar. Yeah. A holy truth. And it's commonly seen in the expression Judicar Mantene, Mantene yeah. which means altogether an original and supporting truth. Mantene itself means underlying wisdom, supporting argument, First principle. Okay, and remember that that definitely even confused me a little bit too. Right. I made you like kind of uh, backtrack over that a few yeah. times until you could. That's get why it, it was more of head. a freebie. If you got it wrong, it wasn't a point yeah, to yeah. Me. You had to like filter it through the wine to me. Of yeah. like, <laughs> good, good words. They were yeah, they were some very ones. enigmatic to me. And, uh, uh, I got a couple more for you, but we're gonna see if you can bring it back. One is gonna be a throwback. <laughs> Ping it back. Did we not start this with you can't come back from this? <laughs> Let's That's see what true. I, you're doing. Your Frank. dignity, Derek. Your dignity. Because it's gone. Say, I was going to say good Frank technique. <laughs> <laughs> Continuity be damned. Continuity be damned. All right. So, uh, test mashad. Test mashad. Yeah. And like classic. Is that two separate words? Uh, hyphen between them. Test oh. mashad. Ooh, okay. Okay. Um, can I get a hint? I mean, that still makes me feel like test is a separate oh, operable word. Um, um, it can be applied. Okay. So it's a test and it can be applied to any test in which this specific thing is at stake. Okay. Okay. I feel like you had to really thread a needle on that one. And that no, you, no, I mean, like, no, no, like, yeah. it's just like you're catching words. No, like, I was gonna compliment you on it, not, hey, not hey, like hey. any judgment. I'm like, I feel like that was probably well done, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing what the definition is. Um, so it's a test that can be applied to say that one more time, uh, to a variety of situations in which something specific is at stake. Something is at stake. Test Mashad. A test that can be applied to something that is at stake. So I want to always lean on like kind of necessity. And I feel like that's going to be buried in here. So that, that there's something specific at stake. Something specific at stake. Okay. So it can be applied to a variety of situations as long as this particular thing is at stake. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. That, maybe that's a little different than what I first kind of thought. Um, that does make me lean towards like necessity, always in that way. Um, definitely in the kind of like a Fremen way of like, if this is the thing that's at stake and we probably can't let it be, mm -hmm. um, is it, is it like very religious in its kind of overtone then? I'd say a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Um, uh, so I think, uh, the, yeah, definitely. So if this is something that's at stake, I'm going to say this is a test for when like, I may be way up, but I'm gonna say when water is at stake. Uh, mm. And obviously, it's kind of like I mean, I'm guessing at this point. Right, right, I'm right. leaning towards it's just Ron Rackus. What's the most important thing gonna be? It's gonna be water. It's gonna be water. Um, and that. Oh, what would the test be then? Do you apply when water's at stake? 
of like whether or not this is something that's worth the risk for us all. How kind of people, like, would it put us in jeopardy? Uh, I, I don't know how else to kind of word that. Do, hmm. If that's kind of where I want to land. Okay. And no, I'll leave it in your hands. I sort, I sort of get where you're going with it. You don't have to worry about like how close you are to it because it's sure. just not right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> no. That's convenient. No. Oh, <laughs> don't worry about where the answer is. You're nowhere so, near it. Any test in which honor defined oh. as spiritual standing okay. is at stake. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I see where you like lent towards Fremen, but I almost think that sounds because I, I Well, I didn't say it was Fremen. I said it was spiritual. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry, I did it. Oh, yeah. I, I said it was, I, I, that was, it was the one religious. you confirmed with, too. Touche. Oh, I, I, that feels very Imperium to me. Uh, yeah, you, it does. Roll I mean, especially based off of what you were just talked about with the Harkonnens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting. But the spiritual standing stuck, uh, stood out to me particularly. So can you read that one, one more time? Any test in which honor defined as spiritual standing is at stake. Because then I kind of wonder if you can use that for like how uh, Abelard the Fourth felt when he yeah. on the way there and he gets that Canley message and mm-hmm. he knows like, okay. Yeah, he could have just destroyed it all right there, but the test Mushad, you said? Uh, test Mushad. Test Mushad. I feel like maybe he was Wild. gonna hit that button and the Sardar car was like, Abelard, test Mushad. <laughs> like, you got this me. Sardar car, point <laughs> his finger. <laughs> Wag of the finger. <laughs> the Sardar car breaks it off. <laughs> oh, God. Don't do that. Uh, uh, okay, that's. Yeah, that was. Uh, Man, that's a cool word. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I've been trying to pick out ones that I don't think are just going to be like, we're going to learn this next chapter from the Fremen. That I, I appreciate that more. So, like, I think of them all, one of the coolest ones for me is actually still been El Sayat. El Sayat was... The Sand Rain. Yeah, That yeah, is yeah. so cool. So weird. I'm never going to have a good point to use it. I really like the Surat as well. Oh, I, I thought Surat's a given. Yeah. Uh, we love the Surat. The bridge is so mm-hmm. cool. Um... So these words, I think, are very interesting where they're like, uh, having them and doing this kind of game with you where mm-hmm. like I'm trying to like flesh it out and then you reveal it is leaving them ingrained in me so deeply that like I love coming across them in the book now. We've used some of them in conversation. Ah. Ishtala, that one was great. I think we brought that up when we went like camping and stuff. Right, right, trials yeah, yeah, that we yeah. were on. Like really good stuff. Um, ah, so what do, you, what do you have for the second word? Then? Second word. Rue spirit. Rue spirit. Also uh, with a, a hyphen. So R-U-H hyphen spirit. Um, okay. Rue spirit. Why don't now, you? This is Fremen. Okay. Is that, is that all I'm going to get for a hint? Um, no. It, it has to do with, uh, there's a little bit, it dips into another word we had a couple weeks back. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh. <sighs> but a... uh, in particular, it's a Fremen belief. Okay. So Rue spirit to me, that does not ring any big bells, but right away. Oh, wait. No, Rue. I'm not. Mudir doesn't really line up with that really well. It's like demon. Hmm? Uh, Mudir Naya. Um, uh, I'm. Th- that ties into one from before. Ooh, wait. Is it Karama? No, it's not Karama. That's uh, a good one. That, that a that's good one? a good one. That's a pretty direct one. That's pretty. Um, yeah, it's pretty close. For a like that, that was an action originating in the spiritual world. That was a miracle world, originating affecting from, yeah. the physical world. A miracle cool. originating from the spirit world. Yep. Um, but a root spirit to me, it definitely. I want to say ghost. <laughs> not, ooh. not like ooh, kind of goes like like a spirit stuck in our world kind of right, thing, right, right. or like somehow persisting in our world or affecting our world um and maybe this is like um ooh, ooh, ooh. could could it be like um is this like their and you know how like the bene Gesserit had the voices and stuff mm-hmm. is this like how they refer to ancestor memory oh like uh oh interesting so sort of like uh i'm trying to th- how best to phrase this 
Um, yeah, if you want to fill in the answer for me. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> do you think it's like... <laughs> uh, no, like, okay, a, so, like almost like a spiritual guidance kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. So like uh, I'm saying like they have I, they have rituals and stuff that the Fremen are going to do and stuff like that where they're sort of like in communion with what they sort of... Uh, what I think they would call like the real spirit. So sort of like the Holy Spirit. Um, maybe, maybe even drop that kind of view of the voices where like that I think I can explain later on in the book. Okay. So let me just pitch it as like the Fremen version of like communion with this sort of like uh spirit that is sort of like the collective unconscious of all people. Hmm. Um, and they're, you know, ancestors and representative of so much more. That's what I want to say. The roof spirit. Is. Oh, that is so close that I want to give it to you, but I don't know. I'm going to have to, we're going to, I'll well, give you read, your interpretation. Read me the definition. Yeah. Let me at least give you, cause I, I'm pretty good at giving you my honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of like, I, I want to say it probably isn't, but I love it so much okay. as well. Okay. Um, in Fremen belief, Root spirit, that part of the individual which is always rooted in and capable of sensing the metaphysical world. So how a part of you is always sort of like rooted into that metaphysical world. And it says, I, see Alam Amethel. Okay, in which case, and that it, wait, uh, that was just the world. The that was the mystical world, world of similitudes where all physical limitations are, are removed. removed. I don't think I get it. Yeah, I don't think so either, I am, but I really like your I, answer. I get, no, no, like I am like, uh, I'm like shades of gray away from it, but I'm definitely pointing at a very different thing where yeah. like, I think, well, if I may explain, um, I think what they're describing would be the sort of uh, passive thing within all of us. And what I'm describing is what you actually do with it. Mm-hmm. So use that Rue spirit to connect to that collective unconscious. Because what they do is in their ritual, they all consume like a lot of spice. Mm. And it basically oh. puts them into a trance. Oh, cool. Where they're sort of like in this sort of heady space. Like they're mm. all tripping out on drugs together. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, that's all that's it really is. That's really what it is. Um, but like in a controlled kind of directed way for religion. And I feel like, uh, you know, you use it to activate that or vice versa kind of deal. Like, you use your root spirit to get in touch with this actual spirit plane. So I definitely don't get the point, but, it, like, we're, like, two ships passing That's in the night. That's so close, and though. That is, the, no, that is so good, and I'm never going to forget that probably from here. I like that like, a lot, though. The, the root spirit. spirit. You know what that also is to me is um, when we touched on the voice, that 75% or whatever of your brain, that is all of those previous experiences, like... I oh. think that is what they're kind of like feeling and aware of. Is that oh, like almost as a religious way to explain it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh. or not even a religious, but like a cultural way. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it all does come. I think, together. I mean, I think you could you definitely you know, have like, a case you can build for that. Like the blind man and the elephant. They're all looking at the same thing and describing it in a different way. I had no idea what you're talking about for a second. Then it <laughs> suddenly clicked. I'm like, yeah. Are you like, is the blind emperor? Did I black out when an elephant came in and bit him? How strong is this wine? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that that's so cool. That is really I like, good. I like it. The rue spirit. Rue spirit. I was about to not know the word. <laughs> oh no! I got rue. I like that thing. I like that totally thing we were talking about just now. Ooh. Well, Derek, that I think that's gonna do it. Kind of brings us to the end of the week. That, yeah, that's. I mean, guys. First of all, long episode. Thank you for bearing with us. Um, hey, no problem, Mike. Anytime. No, 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 Derek. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at our recording right now. Like, there's not a lot that I'm cutting from this, I think. I mean, I think there's a lot of moments of gold that I just want to keep in there. I think you're so, for the long haul. Uh, I'm going to forewarn you, the next episode might be kind of equal. Oh, really? We're going to finish. Well, it's, it is the, it's the end. My, I mean, today's the penultimate of book yeah, one. Yeah, book one. Like, oh, there's, there's a lot to cover. Uh, there's a lot to talk all right. about. All right. Let's, we'll try and, uh, we'll try and 
consolidate it and get it all uh, streamlined for next time. But hey, worst case scenario, you get a little bit of extra Spice World. No, yeah. no one hates that, right? Hey, maybe you guys got a few more questions you can ask us. That is true. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, a few more wines we can afford. Oh, we would love to know that. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Spice World Pod. Uh, you can always reach us at email at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And oh, bub, bub. stop the presses, Derek. <laughs> Putting them, I, I never even hit start. So <laughs> according to my feed here, we got an email during our episode today. Oh, during this one? Yeah, during our recording <laughs> just a, a, like an hour or two ago. That's pretty trippy. That makes me have to like open this up. And I open it to my personal email, which I have a bill waiting for me. So I'm going to switch over to the other email. Oh, no. That's not fun at all. That's never good news, if you guys want to know. So uh, this is exciting. We're just going to be reading this for the first time, actually. Yeah, read it. Um, from Pife 80... Nice. Good said, start, man. I thought it said Piter for a moment, and I was crying. <laughs> I thought it said Spider's last message to me. Oh, no. Oh, I should have sent you that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so from Pipe81 uh, says, hey, guys, just want to thank you for making this podcast. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. We're glad that you guys are listening. Huge fan of Dune for over 10 years, uh, as are you, Derek. Yeah. Hey, oh, man, I'm almost lines up. Uh, yeah, mine was like 2008, 2009, I think, mm-hmm. when I first got the book. They're, they're still reading the books, or they haven't read them all currently. Okay. Uh, love the movies. They love, uh, I think they even have the, the sci-fi miniseries. Which, oh, I, which has not aged well, according to them. No, so <laughs> I totally right there with you. I had like this um, kind of confused memory. So I think I read the book once. I watched the sci-fi miniseries and stuff and watched the David Lynch film. And time went on. And what left in my mind is like, it's like, oh, man, sci-fi nailed it. Like David Lynch was so off. Then like I've read, you know, read it multiple times over the years. And then this last year I went back. And before we did this podcast, rewatched the David Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man. He nailed it. Everything is dead. Oh, really? Oh, dude, it's so pert. Well, like, there's just no explanation. So it totally (laughs) makes sense. No one else should watch that movie. You would not understand anything. But if, like, you read the book and it was fresh in your mind, oh, yeah, it's all, like, word for word. Oh, really? Okay. The sci-fi miniseries, not so much. (laughs) Oh, no. It was really, really bad. Um, I wonder um, if, because I told you about this kind of last time, there is a point in the second one when they do Children Dune where um, James McAvoy is literally stomping in the sand to to summon a worm with his foot. Oh, right, because you said a thumper can summon a worm right yeah, yeah so this is just him like stopping <laughs> and it looks so bad there's never like wait who does james mcavoy play i can't tell you and um basically they didn't have the money for like big shots in the <laughs> desert so it all felt like really small like you were on a set every mm. time it, it was... but wasn't it made by sci-fi channel yeah yeah like they didn't have much they did what they could okay hey, and you know what props to them uh it does give you more hours of dune because each one's like a two-parter oh so that... you get like okay. a good three hours per book which well... is nice but uh, uh right there with you dude didn't age well oh, <laughs> what, man. what else does he have for we're us? excited for the 2020 version we are as well Ooh. oh i guess i keep saying c it might, it might be a girl too i don't know uh, what pife is that's true. Mm-hmm. So the picture is my, on the tree, my apologies. Think, so. That's Pipe, whoever you may be. Yeah, they're excited for the 2020 version. I am too. The pictures look cool. I'm, we'll yeah. get a trailer one day. One day. <laughs> um, as of when we record this, there's currently no trailer available. <laughs> trailer pending. Yeah. But uh, it may be out by the time this comes live. So uh, that could be exciting. Not going to hold my breath. Not going to hold my yeah. breath. But uh, yeah, no, that'd be cool. And it's going to be a two-parter, so I should be safe to watch it before. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going to be set for movie one. Okay, we're okay. Good, we're I'm good. happy about that, because I would really be super sad if I couldn't go If I watched them. it and told you how good it was. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Derek, they're also participating in a beta test for the Dune tabletop 
RPG. That's what we're doing. We're go- well, yeah, we're going to. Uh, I don't know when we're going to start. They've sent me a couple of them at this point. Like, they, I think it's every Friday they publish up new rules to me. Okay. Um. So I just got to get us. To, we just need a couple people, really. It's a shame. We just we need to cut. None of our friends. <laughs> we don't have enough Dune players. We have like I think two. Well, we yeah okay. We we ha- convinced some people to play the Dune board game with us. So maybe we can rope a couple you think others. It's, it's slowly uh, extend out. If not, like, we're giving Pipe a call. Pipe, you want to <laughs> come in for a one shot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Um, and, oh, they checked out the website! Ah! Oh, my work has not got unnoticed! Um, ooh, and they, if they can contribute or participate in any way, they're interested. Oh, I think we even wait, had wait, a... You said they just started listening, though? They just started listening. We might have to email them then. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be a few episodes. <laughs> it's gonna be but a couple. you could totally contribute. Uh, we'd love your wine tastings if you're yes. down to get some wine for us. And I mean, even if it's not a wine that we have, if you love a wine oh. or you have some tasting notes, send it our way. We will go ahead and buy that wine and... Ooh, and if you Featured send it on an with episode. line notes, it's already set to go for yeah, us. Yeah, our we'll work is it. done. We'll we love that. All together. Yeah, no, if, I guess that's what we should now say. If you have any, if you have a recommendation, throw your throw your notes in there, your two cents. Uh, yeah. I wonder how you feel about the wine, too. Um, but that's awesome. Anything else from Pife? No, I mean, that's, that's about it. But like, I'm super happy. That is really cool. We're getting some pretty consistent feedback here. Mm-hmm. This is, um, as, I, you know, as soon as I say that, we're not going to get anyone else to messaging us. You brought that up, but we also had a second email I thought you were going to allude to. Uh, we did get one from um, Mark at Dune Behind the Scenes. Oh, yes. This was in response to our episode 17. We did a bit on the voice, you know, when we went in mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and yeah, did a deep dive yeah. on that. And uh, he just thought it'd be interesting to share Frank Herbert's own views on, like, how practical the voice was. And he sent an excerpt from a book um, called The Maker of Dune. And uh, I would encourage you guys to check out... Um, I think Mark runs these websites. Um, we haven't touched back with them, but duneinfo.com and collectorsofdune.com. Both of them have like really cool for just like, if you want to find a pretty concise list of everything Dune related, mm-hmm. whether it be the extended universe, Frank Herbert's own stuff, or like this encyclopedia universe you and I dip into, ah. or like side books such as the science of Dune or um, the art of Dune and stuff like that. See, that sounds really cool to me. They're cool. Uh, they're very much like the encyclopedia. I considered getting Science of Dune for us to do this, but I uh, was happy keeping us in the 80s okay. and like locked into that time right, frame right, right, when it was right. written. Uh, the Science of Dune came out a little bit later, but there is a, um, oh, Stuff You Should Know that does uh, Dune, Dune Science. Uh, they have like, uh, I think it's like a three-part episode. It's really great. And they use that book to dive into like still suits and stuff like that. Okay. Only focusing on like the science of Dune and how it works and like kind of what it See, contributed that would be to really science interesting. fiction. Yeah. And it was cool. It was great to watch them do that kind of dive for it. But this guy, this excerpt from the book, Mike. Yeah. In reading this, it was very weird because it was sort of like I knew the words before I got down to it. And I was like, wait, I know this. Hey. But I've never read this. Oh, really? I learned this from Frank speaking it verbatim. Because, like, Frank is very common. Um, I told you before, he talked about his writing style. He would always say, like, I did that on purpose. Of, like, whenever he's in an interview, he's like, oh, I did that on purpose, by the way. Just so you know, like, he wanted the credit. But he was very, like, in each interview, he would say, like, the exact same thing. And what's exerted in this book is, uh, so he's talking about the voice. And he basically is um, recounting, um, giving a lecture before a class. And I want, oh, actually, it says it was in uh, Sonoma State. And it made me think like this had to have been McNelly had to have been involved in this. Okay. Like, Professor McNelly right, was right, the one who right. brought him in to speak to his class and stuff and was like pushing science fiction. And he's talking to his class and telling him, like, oh, oh, I know a version of the voice. You all do. I can tell it to you. Close your eyes. Imagine a man. He's, you know, returned from World War One. He was a sergeant. 
You know, he's saying all these things. And uh, I just want to side note right there. When he said World War One is a sergeant, I don't know his family history, but okay. I'm like, is that your dad? Oh. It sounds like you're describing your dad. <laughs> I wonder if his dad was in. Because oh. it would work out because he was in World War Two. I know he was like on the repair boat and stuff for the Navy. So it just sounded like to go so quick to World War One, sergeant coming home from World War One to a small town in the Midwest, <gasps> married his childhood sweetheart and <laughs> went to his father's business. He raised two children whom he doesn't understand and who doesn't who don't understand him oddly specific does he, wait does frank have a sibling i'm like, <laughs> like i'm like i need to bring in a um a psychologist and be like is he projecting because like yeah. that's pretty clear projecting whoa okay all right continue, uh, continue. So I, I don't know if he has a sibling that would probably be the nail in the yeah, coffin yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really figure just this one, one though just one just <laughs> we don't talk about the third orphan <laughs> oh, the, no there was a room full of orphans before, <laughs> <laughs> before frank and the other son came <laughs> So, uh, in any case, so you're imagining, like, this kind of hardened, um, almost PTSD. It sounds very much like what we would have described, like, people coming back from Nam. Of, like, that would be my reference point for someone mm-hmm. like that. I can see his being World War One mm-hmm. of sort of, like, broken people returning home and, like, society not understanding how to cope with them, mm-hmm. necessarily. But he's like, so you put that guy on a phone. Now you have someone call him on the telephone and uh, imagine you want to make him mad. And he's just like, it's the simplest thing in the world. And he, now I've drawn a gross caricature. So wait, wait, he's on the phone. You yeah. want to make him mad. Are you the person on the other end of the phone? Yeah. Okay. Of like, what would you have to say to make this like hardened war guy kind of like you could just really push his okay. buttons in just like two seconds and right. you could like affect his mood. I guess the point is, I'm sorry. The point is that I can change your mood that using only, only your voice. voice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm that's sorry. the thought that's experiment the, uh, totally there. I was going to say like, how do they know who this man is? And like all these like <laughs> interesting facts about him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I got caught up on the father thing that I really wanted to make a point <laughs> okay. of. Okay, no, I, I don't mean to. I get the thought experiment. Continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but that is, so that's pretty yeah, much yeah, it. Yeah. But so I knew that um, when he sits down with the interview with McNelly that I watched, which there's a uh, there's audio of it where McNelly recorded it. He gives that exact exact example as long as with like the mother thing where the mother yelling your name. Right. Okay. And he talks about this World War One guy. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting. It caused that kind of deja vu moment for me. And I was so glad he sent it. I, I love knowing. And that gives me actually one more thing of like uh, places that Frank went where I need to kind of trick down now. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Who is in that Sonoma class? How can I find one of them? Because I still. Oh, that would be interesting. I want to talk to somebody in one of these classes. I don't know like, how we would ever track someone down, though. I have a contact at the Fullerton Library where... Do you uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I got emailed a couple times. I'm on to this, Mike. But then uh, I can't travel anywhere right now. (laughs) I was going to go there, but I got to wait. Uh, So as soon as I can go there, we're going to get there. I'm going to get somebody. I want some answers uh, of what that class was like. But... And who was that? That was Dune Behind the Scenes? That was Dune Behind the Scenes. Um, I just have Mark. So cheers, Mark. Right back at you. Yeah. Thank you Thank so you much for that. That's awesome. Um, I, I love Dune so much. I'm sure you know the McNelly interview. If not, take a look at that. Uh, and honestly, if there's anything else you want to send our way, I would appreciate it so much. There is so much I have yet to dig into, into like the depths of Dune and the mm-hmm. origin of Dune in a lot of areas that I, I would love to see. I feel like this podcast has definitely been illuminating for you. I mean, I know nothing, so everything's illuminating to me. Everything but uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's so many like little tidbits and so many interesting facts that are just popping up all of a sudden. Yeah, that- and like it's the taking the time to read, like doing that chapter multiple times in a week and mm-hmm. like only having that to look into and be like, all right, well, I guess, oh, this word does stand out a little bit when I go through the third time. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go through the third time. Or, like, the guy getting tortured. Like, that is something I never really remember. Right. But that does dictate the Baron's actions through that whole inter, uh, that whole scene. He's sort of waiting for it, yeah. Yeah, well, waiting and, like, holding out for it. Like, I think he really wants that to, like, he doesn't like he want He wants the information to come building. so he doesn't have to, yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah, in front of somebody. 
So, oh. Mark Pife, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. We love it when anybody reaches out. Um, um, I think we even had a call to arms uh, a little bit earlier this episode of some things that uh, we were looking for help with, weren't we? Uh, some polls, like a dirge to fighter. Yeah, definitely. We want a dirge to fighter. Those are like things I want people to add to it, though. Okay. Uh, more than like filling in the gaps for me. Uh, but you're right. Uh, we we have a lot we want people to contribute to it. I like that we're kind of we're making our own expanded universe. We are adding our own little myths well, and legends. So uh, every every week, I little I add a little something new to the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, Caladan Wine Cellar. Beautiful. This week, the goal is to start getting down the Princess Irulan Library. Ooh. So we're going to take all the books that she's written. That's why I was really keen on finding out if that was a new book or not that we read today. Oh, okay. Being like the, uh, yeah, the yeah. introduction. I'm yep. going to just, I'm just going to divide all the, her quotes into separate books and just start jotting them down. They may only be one line long if we only visit the book once, but I like to think uh, we'll get an idea of how many works that Princess Irulan has started working on. And I like to think she's still got paid for that. So. <laughs> yeah. Introduction good to book. Good for you, Irulan. Yeah, right. Double your money, girl. Um, so if there's any, uh, if you're art savvy or if you're not and just want to contribute, just send us uh, what you think, uh, what you imagine that book cover might look like. I didn't realize that's what you're building up to. No. That was totally what we talked about before. Like, yeah. 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 We need art for those book covers. Yeah. That would be amazing. And there are like, I think like, how many were on that list? Do you know of top like seven or so? Oh yeah. There were like seven or eight. I think. Uh, and we still got a good amount of the book to go to. There are other books and yeah. other ones and stuff. So if you have uh, ideas, let us know. If we get multiple submissions for the same book, I think we'll still include them all in in some facet. Yeah. And if we get none, you know, then you know we're going to get some Mike Stick figures, and they're not going to be very <laughs> great. <laughs> going to go into MS Paint, and we're just going to see what happens. <laughs> it's just going to put your cat on the keyboard yeah. and like let him pull up the mouse on the floor. It'll <laughs> uh, be beautiful. Oh, gosh. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, anything is better than uh, what I got. I, I like it. Oh, I'm really happy with that. And uh, I think you guys can find all of that and more at this point on SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you have suggestions for it, let us know because I will learn how to make it work. Yeah, like uh, we did here. Uh, one suggestion for a live show, and we are looking into ways to make that happen. Yeah, for you that'd guys. be great. I don't have the tools for that, but uh, I'm sure someone does. But like, since someone did express an interest in it, I think the more we talk about it, the more excited we are to figure something out and uh, yeah, do an th- episode with you guys. I think we just we'll need to figure something out. Worst case scenario, I mean, like we have phones, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'll 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 tape it to something. I uh, yeah, I <laughs> tape it. Mm-hmm. Put it on the fan, Mike. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> I don't care. Um, yeah. So next week, we've got the last chapter of the book last one. chapter of book 22. One. So uh, we've kind of already let the cat out of the bag. It's going to be a Paul chapter. We're going right. to Paul and Jessica. Uh, we're going to see what happened to them. Last we saw them on the sands, they were yelling, hearken and run. Yeah. And a thopter was swooping down. On and them. we know that a worm shows up. We oh yeah hey, that's a good point we know for sure a worm yeah, shows up it's definitive within the next like ten minutes and that there is I, a rogue thopter somewhere oh, I, actually time is thrown out the window because the do or the bear uh, the baron had dinner and we don't know how long he ate for that that's true that's yeah. true so yeah time is out the window but so we remember there were there was a thopter following the thopter they were in and a second thopter behind them do you think that might be the stolen one oh oh I don't um do we know for sure there's a second one behind that I don't think we know that. I think we saw the flutter of wings set down. No, no, and Lady Jessica said she noticed a, a second one behind it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Gnarly. Ooh, which one? I don't know. Any? I mean, they could all just be Harkonnens. Duncan, all I know. Duncan might be heading back to kill Yui at this point. Uh, <laughs> oh, who knows? Duncan <laughs> might not even have a head. Um, we don't know where Kynes is. Zilgar's like, 
On the phone with Kynes. Wait, you need Duncan for what? Oh, no. <laughs> the line's breaking up again. Oh, do, we have a, do you have a quote for me? Mike. A little teaser? I can't ever pick one. So I got two, oh, and I need gosh. you to choose one or two. Again, I'm going to go with option two, because it made you reconsider. Okay. <clears throat> I got to do a couple voices here. Oh. I see it, he repeated. She heard madness in his voice. Didn't know what to do. But he spoke again, and she heard the iron control return to him. We're trapped here. We're trapped here, she agreed. What? That's all I got, Mike. You chose number two. What? Oh, my God. Are they trapped in the shield wall? Oh, wow. That would suck. Oh, no. <laughs> if they went into one of the caves. <laughs> I bet they're trapped in the desert. I bet a worm comes up and like eats their thopter, maybe kills the rest of the people chasing them, and it's just them in the desert, like oh, like, like Paul uses the Kynes logic, like we get to a rock and we're yeah, just on like exactly. Well, yeah, he knows what to do on a rock in an infinite ocean. They got a frem kit and they're like oh, dokie. They have a bloody frem kit at that. <laughs> like, they're not even really well equipped in that respect. Oh my gosh, get that sand snorkel ready. <laughs> Hey, good one. Hey. Sand snork, sand tent, all of them. <laughs> you didn't uh, spit up your wine when you said sand snork that time. Oh, well, thank you, Derek. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, the, the spice, spice must flow. Both ones, all levels, everything going, proceeding. I have phone, tablet, book, wine. All things at my hands. Phone is down. Lights. <laughs> sure. You and your written word. Well, I feel like when the lights are out, I have to be quiet for some reason. <laughs> you know? Oh, I, I did love a uh, little thing in the last chapter of you being like, that was like drunk Mike. I'm like, no, no that was sober Mike. <laughs> No, no, no. Oh, yeah, past Mike. This is drunk Mike. Past Mike was drunk. Like, no, no, no. Past Mike was sober. <laughs> Don't get to pass the buck on that one. <laughs>